Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. Ladies and gentlemen, here he is. The sensation, Jason Gavon. He's the fucking champion of the world! Megalman! Madonna is Stevenson, piece of shit. No, I think Rosado is a good boy. Rosado is a good boy. I've become a massive international superstar, it's as simple as that. I eat your ass all alive, you bitch! Scared of the real man! I'll fuck you till you love me, faggot! I'm going to physically shoot David Hay. He fucking glossed me. He glossed me. Derek, who down? I'm Shannon Bridge. I'm hard to kill. I'm the black team of the ball. I'm hard to fucking kill. Well, I believe Christopher can take a punch. I'm very good at math and looking at a fighter and seeing what his abilities are. I can't see that Golovkin has anything like Christopher's speed, his power, his punching ability, his hand speed, his foot movement. I don't see that from a calculating point of view. I don't see that he has anything like that. So then it's going to come down to heart. You know, I spoke to Joe Gallagher. They don't want to fight Carl Frampton. And the bottom line is, you know, no disrespect to Bosch Ranger. These guys aren't good enough to face Carl Frampton. I'm the best heavyweight champion of the world. I'm happy to have PC with me. I'm undefeated champion. Undisputed champion. I want good next. You've got my Dino Rival Nuclear Acid. Undisputed heavyweight champion of the world. next? I love boxing sounds. As simple as that. Welcome, everyone, to the 414th edition of the Boxing Asylum Nuthouse. We have almost twice as many uh, podcasts as Archie Moorhead fights. That's pretty fucking fantastic, if you ask me. Uh, with me today, right now, we've got Andrew pa- Andy, ugh, Andy Patterson. I'm your host, Matt DiGiallonardo, and uh, we do expect a couple more to be coming on with us later, but right now we got a lighthouse. But hey, we got the A-team right here. I guess that makes me Mr. Fucking T, so that ain't too bad. So uh, we did have a packed week. We're going to be getting into that right now. But make sure you check us out on uh, Spotify, SoundCloud, iTunes, all those good places. We are live on YouTube. We're live on Facebook. Follow us on Facebook. We're getting that page grooving again. Uh, We had ups and downs this week. We will get to Marvin Hagler and his passing later on in the show. God love him. But right now, let's start out with the uh, excellent fight that we had last night in uh, Texas between Juan Francisco Estrada and Roman Chocolatito Gonzalez with Estrada eking out a questionable uh, decision victory. I had 50 bucks on him to win, so uh, I'll take the question right in my fucking pocket. Uh, Andy, great fight. Seemed to me, though, that as soon as Algayo abandoned the jab, he let Chocolatito into the fight. 
Yeah, um, he was doing really well with the jab, uh, boxing pretty well. Um, his defence was pretty good at times and that. Um, really was landing some good combinations. Uh, really worked the body well at times and when he mixed it up to the head and stuff. But I just think um, I had a 161-12 to Gonzalez. I, th- I thought Gonzalez pretty much run about after round seven, I think, was really much, not so much the boss, but I thought he was, his, his all-round work was far better, I think. Um, I just think... Uh, how can I say it really? Well, I'll put it this way. I think some of the, the, the rounds anyway are, are they're definitely close. Some are swing rounds. For example, round seven, I think all three judges gave it to Gonzalez. I thought Estrada won the seventh round, actually, in my opinion. Um, and round 12, without doubt, is Gonzalez's round. So I don't know what that judge has seen uh, given that round to Estrada. And that. I just I just don't see it. But um, it was a really good uh, really good start for Gallo. And that. I mean, he's, he's, he's aggressive. He's... he's you know, he's, he's come out very quick, especially in round two as well. Uh, Gonzalo started getting uh, some quality shots home and stuff, especially the right hand. Um, round three had a really good opening. Um, I thought Estrada picked off some really classy shots. It's, you know, you can see Gonzalo is really being the aggressor and stuff. But again, as I was talking about Estrada's uh, defence and stuff, I thought it was really good, especially in round three. He's rolling under the shots, not especially the right hand to, to Gonzalez. Round four was absolutely exceptional stuff from uh, for Gonzalez, actually. He really laid some heavy pressure on, uh, on Estrada. Um, I thought he maybe not so much hurt him, but certainly maybe slightly buzzed him, possibly briefly with a right hand. Uh, certainly, Estrada had his moments in that as well. You know, there wasn't a fight whereas he was absolutely dominated in any sort of way. And that, I mean, I understand why people are upset about that scorecard. One seventy, one eleven for Estrada, and that type of fight is just simply not possible. Um, uh, you need to go back and I uh, need to go back and score it again and stuff. But I thought my scorecard one sixty, one twelve, maybe a few swing rounds that maybe makes it a draw. Maybe eats it to Estrada possibly a wee bit if I go back and change those rounds a wee bit maybe, but um, classic fight, really classic fight, and in the end it's just it's just a shame that you know the guys did Hagler proud there last night and they get a result like that, you know we get a decision like that or one of the judges anyway it gives us a scorecard like that and there's some rumours going about is it I forget is it, is it Sochi's I think his name is or something like that possibly is getting suspended I don't know I've not seen anything official yet but that was a word that was going to reboot on Twitter by some people so I need to maybe check up on that one and stuff but uh, Gonzalez class in defeat uh, I felt sorry for him actually really to be honest um, right at the end of his interview you know breaking down in tears and stuff like that I think he kind of knew himself and that he gave it his beans gave it his balls and still didn't get enough to get a decision Sergio Moro as well. I want to kind of lay reference to him and stuff. I think he'd um, say that kind of pretty pretty well in that. You know, 170, 111, he had no idea what the judges were watching. But he's in Texas at the end of the day. Um, he doesn't know what to say about it. I think he should just come out and say it. It's either corruption or incompetence. Because that, that, that is awful. That is an awful scorecard. There's no way anybody can conceivably... If you've got a Strada winning that fight, fine. I don't, I, I don't care. But... There's no way you're having them winning by 170-111. There's just no way that's happening. No, that that was a slap in the face. Um, it very uh, kind of interesting that it happened on the same day as Marvin P- Hagler's passing because you go back and think of like the 118-110 card and his fight against Sugar Ray. It's just one of those like, what the fuck were you watching, man? Um, the Texas Commission, definitely questionable at best. Um, you know, uh, 
what I really, uh, I, you know, I, I will tell you, Andy, from looking at, you know, the Twitterverse and uh, some people on Facebook, I would say if I was going to average out the scores to what it seemed like people had, had it, I would say people had it. It was about 114.7 Gonzalez to 113.3 Estrada, like, like really breaking down the math. It was a very close fight that definitely leaned towards Gonzalez. And the difference between the boxing universe and the, uh, the, the judging universe is we didn't see many people have scorecards outside of 115, 113. It, that's um, your, your card is one of the wider ones I've seen. I'm not saying it's it's inaccurate, but you know, I it seems like most of us were in that area. Mm-hmm. I had it a draw myself. Um, I, I really thought that uh, I thought that that uh, Estrada really took over the rounds from you know from about five through eight, maybe nine, give or take. Uh, I, I thought he he definitely bossed the majority of those, but the, but then he just quit using his jab, and it kind of beckons back to the uh, Rungbasai fight, um, where if you're managed to use some length, you can keep Gonzalez from cutting those corners. But as soon as you abandon your jab, uh, that that's over. Yeah, well, possibly as well, mate. I mean, at the end of the day, he was having success with his, with his combinations and stuff like that as well. I'm not going to say it was frustrating to watch and stuff like that, but um, see, both are really good combination punchers. Um, just maybe he felt like, you know, he didn't need the jab or whatever and that, but certainly, I mean, it was interesting to listen to his uh, his corner on that. Was it round eight, round nine? That says, you, you know, you need a knockout. Between um, nine and ten, I think. Yeah, it was. it was quite. It was quite interesting because I've got it. I've still got it quite close, you know, on, on the cards at least by that point. But um, it's, it's just, I just, I just again, it's just one of these big fights and stuff. Like, you get these, get these scorecards. It just, it kind of sticks my craw a wee bit. And um, just getting up to kind of like read, read that and stuff like that, and watch the fight over. I just think it's, I just think it's wrong. At the end of the day, I mean, at the end of the day, both guys have proven at the end of the day that they're still possibly pound-for-pound pound level fighters. Uh, Gonzalez is proven, you know, again, he's, he's no peak, whatever, but he's still got a lot of lot to offer, I think, uh, especially at that, run about that level. I would say that I think I think the style that Rungvisai, I think with, with Gonzalez is still fighting Rungvisai, I think that is a bad style for him, and I would probably see Rungvisai possibly beating him again. Um, but really, we need, we need to have this one walk back again. We need to have a, a rubber match with this one, I think. You know, Estrada's talking, talking fair about it and that as well. Maybe he'll change things up. Maybe he will work on the jab more and stuff. Um, but as I say, he was he was doing good things in the fight. You know, he was working head and body. You know, especially as I say, uh, round four, um, or round three. Sorry, I think it was uh, he was working the um, Gonzalez's body and that really good. Um, and as I say, he was rolling under shots as well for for what uh, Gonzalez was doing to him in the in round four and stuff. Um, again, round six, I say, is probably good. Good round by by Estrada uh, there as well. Not more rounds where he was working the body shots and stuff. Um, Gonzalez can stay in the pocket way though. He can stay in that kind of that distance where you think you can maybe hit him, but then he just shifts his weight slightly or moves his head slightly, just take it off center and stuff. And he, he's really hard to hit. But there was times in that fight that he was landing Estrada really good shots, uppercuts as well, um, three punch combinations and stuff. Like that. But I just got your heart back to it. There's the, the 17111 scorecard is an absolute embarrassment to what was a great fight, a great performance by both guys. But in the end, I thought Gonzalez, for me at least, won the fight. And you think about it as well, I had that seventh round going to Estrada. If I gave it to Gonzalez, I'm scoring that 17111. So people didn't give me shit for scoring it too wide. Um, as I say, it's a bit. There was a couple of rounds there that I could easily, I could maybe have, no easily, but I could have maybe gave to Estrada and that. I'd go back and watch it. 
Um, again, maybe try and score it differently than that, maybe with the sound off or whatever and that, and just score uh, the actual punches and stuff. But, um, yeah, we just, we just need to go back to it. We, we need to get that going again and stuff, and hopefully that judge is nowhere near seen uh, a judge in a fight anytime soon and stuff like that because it's absolutely outrageous, man. We get these, you know, the thing is, that is, that is probably one of the one of the biggest fights we'll probably have this year and stuff like that, possibly. Right? It needed fans to hand there because of the, the actual money these guys were making, and we get that delivered. A shocking scorecard that just, you know, ended. It, can you imagine if that was a draw there last night and that? And the, the rematch would have been an absolute necessity as well, but um, just it just makes it wrong. A close, competitive fight that just ends up getting talking about for the wrong reasons. Again, you know, it's boxing, man, isn't it? Well, it, my my hunch, Andy, is, is based on the emotional nature of the post-fight interview, I really think Gonzalez left it in the ring last night. Like, you know, 33 years old, he's a smaller fighter. I think that might have been his last great performance. And it's a shame he didn't get some credit for it. Mm-hmm. Um, Possibly, mate. We, 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 we thought this after the Rungvi side fight. And that. I mean, Eddie Hearn picked, uh, I don't know if he, if he, say, if he cherry picked Gonzalez for uh, Cal Yafai, but um, certainly I think that was the kind of mentality behind it anyway, uh, with that fight getting made. The thought that he was ready ready to go, he showed he still had, uh, still had plenty left. Off that there last night, you, you could be right. At the end of the day, both guys were taking shots and stuff like that. Some of them were very, very kind of heavy shots and stuff. Um, I thought, as I said, Gonzalez was just landing some clean, cleaner shots, more cleaner shots, shall I say, but we'll no know until we see the third fight if it's taken that wee bit extra out of Gonzalez. Um, certainly, shall we say that, okay, at that age, what is he, 33 and stuff like that, certainly, um, he's not the fighter what he was and stuff, but clearly still got enough about him. Um, at that level and stuff like that, he'll be found out quick in that once he falls off the cliff and that, but I still think he's got enough about him. I still think he's got enough to to go in there uh, in a third fight and really kind of turn it around and try and get the decision done again and that. But if no, I suspect that these guys would fight 100 times out of 100 and probably give us a great fight each time. And I just think their styles are, you know, they just, they just blend well because they're combination punchers uh, who just absolutely kind of like, you know, well, I suppose Gonzalez is more a kind of like come forward fighter than that. But I just think the two styles kind of mix perfectly for that. You very well could be right. And uh, real quick, think, speaking of Rungvisai, who is tremendously uh, avoided, I, I want to give a big fuck you to BoxRec on this one because they made me think like I'd hit my head and lost a small handful of years. So I'm just looking, you know, going back and trying to remind myself of things. And I'm looking at records. I come across a name and I don't fucking recognize it. And I'm like, who the fuck is this Asian fighter who's been beating my favorite guys the last four years? Who the, who the fuck is this guy? And I forget what the hell his name is on there, but they don't have him as Sri Sisket Sorung Visai. Yeah. It's something Wang Yane or some shit. Yeah, like she him. <laughs> it really fucks with me. So, you know, big fuck you to box rec for making me think I'd, you know, suffered massive fucking head trauma in the last few years. Um, but I'll tell you what, Andy, and I, um, I, I'm steadfast on this one. I would love to see a rematch. I would love to see either fight wrong. again, but the guy that I want them to fight who no one, none of them have fought is Ioka. Can we get an Ioka fight bef- with one of these guys before he <laughs> retires? Well, that is an interesting point, actually, because I do believe it was discussed some point last night, or it's been discussed in the past anyway. I'm sure, um, I need to check the, the rankings, but I'm pretty certain uh, Gonzalez might be, I don't know if he's ranked with the WBO or whatever, or if he's going to get ranked with the WBO, but um, 
that would be a great fight, definitely. Um, I suppose, I mean, Rungvisai won at the weekend there. Uh, was it Saturday morning? I think it was. Um, beat beat the absolute crap out of the guy anyway. Um, that was he, a good. That was a good little card, man. The fight before that was a fucking. I never melee. seen that one. I never seen that oh, one. Oh man, I got. I I'll have to look up because got. I'll be damned if I'll try to fucking pronounce remember those names off the top <laughs> of my head. But Andy, that was uh, that was a that was a real cracking fight, man. They uh, they went to war on the ropes. It was good shit. Stuff when we catch up. As I say, I, I caught that fight, but um, you know there is there is look there is there is there's fights to be made at Superflyweight. Strider Ring Visai. I don't know if Quadras is still going to be the same after that Strider uh, fight as well. Um, you've got Joshua Franco kicking about, and that is it. Mikel Alion or Ulion is for that. He's like he's a Russian, but he's never really to be seen and stuff fighting these days. Um, but Ioka and and Kahas is other two belt holders and stuff. And Kahas, really, many people would say it's been a, a very meh kind of rain for him and stuff like that. He could be maybe classed as one of the weaker champs ready to be taken off or whatever. But Ioka certainly, you know, I don't know if he's willing, if he's, he's talking about him going up to Bantamweight to fight my potential anyway, who, by the way, I'm, I'm again, I'm disappointed with top rank not getting him active. And again, it might be something to do with the, the pandemic in regards to how much money he wants and stuff like that. But that fight potentially would be uh, no, no, there's no potential, but I think it would be a big, big fight in Japan. Ioka against Inouye, but Outside of that fight, I think Ioka against any of those three guys, I'd be happy to see them. Um, at this point in his career, and that Ioka's really looking, really, really, uh, looking like really good fighter at this point. Like, even at what thirty-two, one eighteen might be a step too far. And that again, it's going to come down to money at the end of the day. And that if he's wanting to continue fighting, he's wanting to get paid. I, I don't know if he's going to be kind of looking to fight Gonzalez or maybe Estrada and that. I don't know what his contract situation is like in that at this point and that as well. But uh, there is options there. Um, certainly these guys aren't going to be around, around for much longer. I think another 18 months potentially and we could be seeing Estrada and Gonzalez and maybe even Rungvisai you know, maybe kind of like fade away for the sport. Um, but we just need to wait and see. But certainly there's, there's, there's good options there to be had in that. You've got McWilliams Arroyo and Pedro Guevara and that also runs Francisco Rodriguez. He's been running about the, the block and that as well. Sonny Edwards is probably trying to kind of get in there for a title shot at some point. Um, yeah, but there's 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 nothing really that I can kind of really pinpoint at the minute anyway. It's super flyweight that's going to be taking over for the likes of Gonzalez or Estrada anytime soon anyway, shall we say. Yeah, it is a, a packed division at 115 pounds and you do have the monster sitting three pounds north as well. Man, I'll tell you what, though, Andy. Uh, before we move, I I wouldn't. If I was any of those fighters, I wouldn't be challenging in no way. I I you, yeah. you, you knock their you, you knock their fucking heads off. Yeah. Well, to be honest, I think someone said it right in the chat there. Actually, he said, "Thank you." Who was it? Um, give me a second to pick it out. Who was it? Say that. Uh, Richard Wetton, anyway, would uh, would kill the look at one eighteen. Yeah, pr- pretty much. Probably, I think he would probably absolutely just chop him down with body shots and stuff. But in the days, I say, he's thirty-two year old. You know, four weight. Is it, I think he's a four weight champ at this point. I think um, one, two. Yeah, he was minimum yeah, weight. Was minimum he? weight champ. I was four weight champ. Potential chance at a fifth. Big money, man. You know, and if he pulls it off, man, just think about that. It's a, it's a legacy fight for him as well, as well as a payday as well. Because uh, these Japanese fighters aren't like uh, a lot of these Western fighters and stuff like that. It's all about you know money and IG and all that sort of stuff. And that some of them are really doing it about honor and doing it the right way and stuff like that. But Ioka's kind of like lived. Not so much a dodgy life, but he's 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 been divorced and he's been cheating on the wife and stuff like that, which kind of would go against the moral code by some Japanese people and stuff like that. So he's not without his detractor, shall we say? He could probably pull as much tang as he wants, so you just don't get married. 
You know, yeah, it's kind of like the Tiger Woods thing. Like, yeah, I just wouldn't have gotten married, bro. <laughs> just keep that money, baby. <laughs> yeah, fucking a, man. Uh, yeah, go go bang as many pancake waitresses as you want, brother. <laughs> just, <laughs> that, that, that's your prerogative. But uh, further down that card, Andy, I don't know what you've seen on this card. Uh, we saw uh, what I thought were really shoddy scorecards in the Jessica McCaskill Cecilia. No, she knows what happened. What happened uh, McCaskill got a pretty wide unanimous decision, man, and I, I thought the brackets did pretty good work. There was a point deduction in there so i thought you know mccaskill probably nip it by a point you know maybe three um but um yeah it was too wide too wide uh brackus looks like brackus despite that sounds like she's willing to take another fight though so she uh has both feet out of retirement it seems um and uh if if you want to see five rounds of really good action before i've seen, ter- seen this one I- yeah for a terrible hand injury injury uh Haruto Kayaguchi against axel aragon vega was a fantastic fight while it lasted uh, that Vega kid, man, he's it, it, not even at minimum weight. He's at one hundred eight. Dude's four foot nine. I think he actually qualifies yeah. in the United States as a midget. What a bad <laughs> son of a bitch, man! <laughs> yeah, he was rolling in with the shorts and stuff, really kind of sticking in the pocket. But I think I think Kai Gucci had major issues with him because of the because of the size. What was he four foot four or something like four foot four five? nine four nine four nine man? Yeah. So he was actually smaller than um, what do you call him? Baby Jeep Metlala. I think so. Uh, I think that's the, he's the shortest fighter I think I've seen in a ring. I mean, I'm thinking like, isn't isn't wasn't uh, what the hell was that white South African fighter? Uh, oh, Hecky Butler. Butler wasn't he like uh, five? Yeah. He was like five one or something like that. Something like uh, yeah. Kai got one over him. I'm sure. I think is he the one that maybe broke Hecky's little streak there? Possibly, I possibly. But uh, as I say, it was just unfortunate. I think he's, he's broke his, like, his first metal carpal above his index finger and like, he's, he's, he's come over with a right, a right hand high in the head. And obviously it's, the old saying is, you know, hands are not meant for punching heads and stuff like that. And it's just, it's just broke. It was major pain. Unfortunately, because it was really kind of teen up as a good fight in that. And as I say, for five rounds it lasted that, the guy gave it his all. Uh, as I say, Kai Gucci, he was, all he could really do was just kind of stick on the jab, kind of like Try and work the left hooks to the to the body and some right hands and stuff because he was really kind of like punching downwards. And you're fighting a fighter like that, he didn't really want to be crouching down to his you know his slice. You just take him in your advantages. So uh, in the end, I suppose you'd be happy as well because I, I think Kai Gucci is one of the, the the Japanese fighters who had fights booked, and it, of course because of COVID and that he's had to actually you know fights have been called off or whatever and postponing that. So. I suppose he'll be happy with just getting out there and that as well, but it was it was turning into a really good fight, unfortunately, and it's just unfortunate for the for the kid that he's broke his hand and stuff. But it was just the, it was the major pain straight away because as they said in the commentary, that you know it's like when you break your hand. Um, so I, I broke my my right the, the right side of my 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 right hand with my pinky and that, and you can feel it's not a really properly he, uh, healed and stuff. It's like just get a minute and that see if it kind of like you know swells up and kind of like numbs itself and stuff like that, which, it, which it did for me at least anyway. But for him, the pain must have been absolutely right up through his arm and that must have maybe even slight nerve damage or whatever and that because he, his reaction to that shot was instant, uh, instant pain. Basically cowered away and stuff like that. Dropped both hands, totally defenseless. And then the ref Kai saved was, him, man. Guy yeah. was winding up with an uppercut. He got there just in just time. In time. Uh, he, he got, I think he got one shot. I don't know if he fully connected with the shot that he did that he did get home in that, but yeah, as you say, if he hadn't got the hands up pretty quick and the referee stepping in there, that it could have been a wee bit worse for the kid. But hopefully he's all right, like and he gets another opportunity in that because um I don't, I don't know. Um, I need to go and check his record now, but I don't know if he could maybe make 105 um, because, uh, which will kind of come to I, I, I found a, a potential prospect there at 105 the other, other week there and that. So uh, 
you know, I'd like to see if he can be good in there. Um, maybe fight like something by DG Creel, if he's going to stay at light flyweight, possibly in that as well. But uh, as I say, I've said in the past that 108 just bitch my talent. As I say, you can get anybody for the top fifth, probably the top 20, and they could be challenging for a title within, I don't know, three, four, five fights and stuff like that. It's just so. There's just, no one at the way. Well, it's just watching I just think the fact is that like you, you, they can move. For example, if you, if you've got like say um, a, a top rated contender at one hundred five, right? See, like take like Pedro Tadura and I think if the Philippines that he's champion, but he says he's going to take a fight at one hundred at one hundred eight, just as a kind of like keep busy fight, but he can get ranked there. But then he'll come back doing for a title fight at one hundred five and stuff like that. So you kind of miss these guys. They kind of like go in between and fluctuate between weights and stuff. There's always a conveyor belt. These guys going to be Nicaragua and Japan, fucking you know, all these places and stuff like that. You know, so Mexico and that type of place. So with more of these fighters coming through and that. But just 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 on the the minimum weight guy that I was talking about and stuff, I was going to mention Eric Rosa, the Dominican Republic and stuff. He's getting fast tracked for a title. Currently ranked quite high with two of the bodies and stuff like that. He fought. I think it was Friday night, I think it was, in the Dominican Republic, won by second-round stoppage against Kenny Cano, who'd been challenging top-rated contenders and that as well in his third-pro fight, so want to keep an eye on as well. How you doing, Steve? Not too bad, boys. How are you guys? Not bad. I'm, dr- I'm running dry here, you know. <sighs> You're never running dry, Andy. <laughs> <laughs> you cut me open, anyway. <laughs> like a booze, baby. <laughs> Steve, do you have any thoughts on the uh, Gonzalez Estrada card last night before we move along uh, in the, this week? I was earning a crust, so I haven't seen any of the undercard, unfortunately, but I did see the main event itself. Um, I thought it was a really good fight. I, I didn't listen to the commentary. I noticed Mannix's scorecard was going backwards and forwards. I just felt like it was a lot closer than the final scores. I mean, giving Estrada, uh, no, one of the guys gave Gonzalez like three rounds. That was ridiculous. But I just felt like Estrada maybe nicked it. He was picking good shots, especially the left hook to the body. Gonzalez was landing a lot of shots, but the power punching didn't seem to be there. Neither guy was hurt, which I was surprised about. Gonzalez weathered the storm a lot better than I thought he would. There was a possibility he might have been done, uh, but he, he lasted the pace really well. But I mean, the scorecards were ridiculous, but I thought that maybe Estrada just about nicking it wouldn't have complained the other way. It was a great fight. Was that Gonzalez's last sort of big hurrah? That's the thing people are talking about, at, you know, the third fight. But I think Gonzalez... Well, I thought that he was done before this. Well, not done, but I thought that he'd, he'd seen better days and he put in a, a hell of a performance. And did you think, Matty, that Estrada was a bit more economical? He didn't throw as many punches as I thought. He seemed like he was waiting for the later rounds, but the, the big burst never really came from him. I don't know. They combined to throw over 2,000 punches, so I guess that's uh, that's all relative at the end of the day. Wow. That's bullshit for me, then. I, I, <laughs> that doesn't sound very economical. <laughs> You need, you need to remember as well. I mean, the Striders had like um, he said a tough fight with Quadras that day. That was yeah. a pretty brutal fight. He was in there in that last fight, even yeah. though one by stopping. He had a tough career. Well, uh-huh. Yeah, he had a tough career in that as well. Almost fifty fights. Gonzalez is the same. Definitely faded. But at this mm-hmm. point, that I, I still think at this point these two could still go again. They still give us a, a great fight. I just think the styles match pretty well. Um, as I said, him and him and Gonzalez could do it again, and that no problem. I think it's still be another great fight. Um, definitely faded without doubt, but um, it just shows you the great ones will find a way. They'll always find a way. Well, this is the thing. I'm saying faded, but it sounds like really detrimental to them, like I'm, like I'm sort of putting them down. But I mean, if you consider it, they've been around for so long, especially Gonzalez, up and down. The rematch took so long to make. He, he, you know, it wasn't until later on in his career that HBO started taking interest. This is a guy who's done it the hard way and he's still throwing that many punches. And he's had an amazing career, Gonzalez. I think they should just get it on straight away. I know you've got sort of 
uh, Saw Young Vizai, Ioka's knocking about as well. Aloyan, I think he holds one of the titles. But get them in again, man. Don't don't leave it so long oh, this time, especially Estrada. It was a shame the first part of his career, you know, like you basically to like be able to watch Gonzalez fights, you had to go to the same depths of the internet that you would go that to way, try man. to get LSD. You had to go to that web to find dark Gonzalez web, fights. Yeah, web, I remember, I'm sure I remember how to watch, I'm sure the night Carol Froch fought Andre Ward, I'm sure Gonzalez was fighting that night and I'm streaming his, his fight on the on the laptop at the time when I was watching the Froch fight on the telly. Um, I was going to mention something there actually. It's been right. Over my head. Hi, Eddie. Evening, Edward. Um, look, if he's listening, Eddie, look, you've got a great opportunity, man, to put on some good fights here. I was just mentioning you want to put on a rubber match, fine and dandy. Make it happen. Put Rung Versailles in the card. Put Ioka in the card. Put Quadras. Put Kaha. No, you can't get Kaha. He's top rank. Um, who else can we get? Maloney's top rank. Sorry. Um, I don't know. Try to think. Uh, Tanaka, possibly. He's coming off that bad knockout of Ioka. So put him in with someone, possibly. I think you, you can make a... a you potentially, you know, you've got that wee guy... Um, uh, what's his name last night again? Oh, fuck, the wee guy. Axel Aragon Vega? A Vega. Put Vega on the card, uh, doing it 105 against a titleist, possibly. I don't know. Tadouran or, you know, one of the Thai fighters and that. Just make it like... Uh, make it like say, what the HBO did with the, with the flyweight kind of series and stuff. Maybe like. it's time for the for the American debut of uh, Knockout CP Freshmart. Knockout P.I. Hi, hi. J. Harris. Here, J. Harris, Steve. There you go. You know, J. Harris had a great mm. fight against um, uh, Martinez. Get Martinez and, and J. Harris in the card and that. You know, just, just pad out with these, these lighter weight guys because, remember, what was it? B.G. Flores came out and said that and uh, he, he heard the boxing voice and that do down the, you know, I didn't watch uh, uh, fights below, I don't know what it was, bantamweight, whatever it was and stuff like that. And you're missing out on great talent like this and that, you know, so... I just think um, if, if Eddie's, if Eddie, well, obviously again, fighters that caliber, and that's going to be, it's obviously it's going to require a crowd and big money. And that. I mean, Gonzalez is making a million dollars there for well, that fight last night. I don't know what Australia was making. Well, I, I learned something very interesting the other day, Andy, about why smaller fighters are so entertaining, and it actually has to do with science. See, in the human body, as you get bigger, like pretty much everything moves in proportion. Except for lungs. Lungs do not move in size proportionally from smaller people to larger people. They, they're a bit bigger and bigger people. But so given they have about the same size lungs as someone who's 60 pounds heavier than them, that's why these little guys have such incredible motors. Very interesting thing. Did you just make that, that up, Matty? I did not just make that up. I read that the other day. It is fucking science. But did you read that in the medical journal or something like that? Otherwise, I'm calling bullshit. No, 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 no. This is it, it, I'm, this is not bullshit. This didn't come from uh, yeah some anti-vax psycho website or anything like that. This is this is real. Like you know, hey, your well, lungs are more static in size so than minute, person to person. So, so it wasn't Lance Armstrong's lungs that got him up the mountains, and <laughs> it was the bloody epo. There, there you go, buddy. There, there I, th you go. I think though that people sort of look down on the well, literally look down on these weight classes because they're down the bottom. But they say there's not a lot of knockouts. I hear that often. You know, or they're like it's like two little girls hitting each other. You know, you, you hear people besmirching these weight divisions saying there's no knockouts. They throw a thousand punches, nobody gets hurt. And in this case, last night that actually was the case. But generally, there's some there's some good fighters, some good punchers, yeah. and some, some well, good technicians there. And, and the thing is, Andy, as well, just before I forget, if it's if you know if these guys aren't going to get the the big money, then stick them in against each other, put champion against champion. You know, you could mm -hmm. pay them twenty grand and away you go, lads. Yeah. Yeah, well, well, generally, well, apart from like the Gonzalez and stuff like that, you would imagine these guys would come at the cheaper end of the scale and stuff. Yeah. I was going to mention, like, so obviously we were talking about the start of the year and that about prospects of the year. Jesse Rodriguez at light flyweight, I mentioned before, 
big hitter, world champion in waiting. He's at the light. He's at the right weight as well. Light flyweight. You go Ken Shiro, Kai Gucci. Alvarado would be a solid fight for him, man. Alvarado is a beast at that weight, massive for the weight. Um, and you got Elwin Soto, who I think he beat uh, Angel Acosta, who's moved up in weight now as well. There's great fights there between 105, 108, and latterly 112, and that, but especially at 108, and that they, you know, there is there's fights to be made there. And I say that uh, that Eric Rosa for the Dominican Republic at 105, that certainly looks, I, I, I'm saying within within 10 fights, he's going to be a world champion. Yeah, well, and, well, we'll always keep our eye out on it. I mean, anyone who's been listening to the podcast since the beginning has known how high we are on those smaller weight classes. We were pimping out uh, Gonzalez before his first HBO fight, if I recall, because um, we're kick-ass like that. So, um, and moving on with the weekend, as much as we'd love to talk about that is just jam-packed. Uh, just quick, I'd like to give a, a nice shout-out to Michael Zarafa for putting the final nail in the coffin of the piece Ooh. of shit we know as Chuck. Fuck Chuck, he sucks. Um, hey, that was, he, he can't take a shot no more, that guy. Oh, that was, that, oh, was sad. that was sad to watch, that was. Was, was it sad? I was. Sad? Yeah, I, I'm. You know what? Regardless, he's a turd. Of his, no. But hang on. Regardless of his out of the ring comments and all that, I know people don't like Mundane, but I have a lot of respect for him inside the ring. For a guy who came from a completely different sport to have had that many fights, have that many pay per views, people pay for this guy. He's won world titles. He's fought at every level. I think he's had an amazing career, Mundine, compared, you know, given the fact that he came from a completely different sport, regardless of what you think of him outside the ring. But that guy is done now. No yeah. punch resistance yeah. whatsoever. That was an interesting that was... fact. I think, like, I wasn't it, like, from his, because his rugby career had him known enough, wasn't it from his first fight until, like, 2015, every single fight he had in Australia was on pay-per-view? I uh, just no. about, mate, I was up to, I, I forget roughly when, but it wasn't that long ago that, uh, all his fights were, 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 were pay-per-view. I mean, you go, he said almost 65. <laughs> pay-per-view for fucking Garth Wood. Twice, Andy. Twice. Gunnar, Gunnar Jackson and Daniel Gill and that. It was just Shane Mosley. Shane Mosley fight was, I'm sure, pay-per-view in that as well. Do you remember I mean, the Danny Green fight? People thought Danny aye. Green was going to take his head off and he absolutely schooled him in that first one. Aye. And then Joshua Cloty. I remember him. Remember he was... That was that was the fight where his resistance went because he got he got smacked about the ring. He got dropped about six or seven times in that fight. Then he come back and he got beat off Charles Hartley and he beat he, got, he lost to Danny Green. And then he got stopped off Jeff Horn. And now, here here we are. As I say, I'm talking about fights against Shane mostly back in 2013. Here we are in 2021. He's 45 year old. He takes a one single left hook of Michael Zarafa, who's a playboy on a bloody party boat or whatever is he's all like a waiter on a on a cruise ship or something like oh, that paint stripper I sort of paint stripper aye but he simply stripped the life out of Mundine anyway because once he landed that shot the legs were gone there was nothing left no resistance and stuff and really I mean his dad his dad was a boxer his dad fought Carlos Monson surely surely his dad's going to say him like, that is it mate stop I mean you've made good money great money you've you've basically like to all intents and purposes played and conquered in two sports so how many people can say that? No, no even the uh, what do you call him, uh, Matty? Uh, Dion Sanders can say that. I mean, he never conquered uh, baseball or whatever, that, did he? So, yeah, I, that's I, good. Just, I, knew, I knew you were gonna... no, I just, I just, I just don't like Mundine. I just, well, well, I don't even like, try to hide it. I just not don't many people like can the say they got knocked, knocked out by Sven Ocker either. <laughs> I know. Oh, god, that was wonderful. How many knockouts did Ocker have on his record? <laughs> about five or six. Five. Yeah, oh, it was, was, it was single digits. I know it was brilliant. 
that was, hey, but wasn't that like up. his 12th fight? Like, again, yeah. I He was giving Walker a lesson as well for about 10 rounds. Uh, interesting comment in the YouTube chat there for Richard Wenton, actually, again, that uh, Mundine kept weight bounce. That's actually quite, that's, like, that's actually an interesting fact, because it, it's true. He I remember down, he, yeah. he, 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 fought, uh, but he went up to super middleweight and fought Kessler, prime Kessler, and he came back down to light uh, 154. I'm sure there's what they'll be up to. I can't remember if he fought Danny Green at Cruiserweight, Steve. Can you remember if he did? Or was that a catch Light heavyweight, I think, was one of them, wasn't was it? it? The first uh, fight they fought was at light heavyweight. Mundine yeah. got his, was hanging around 168 more often than not, and he worked his way down to 154 around, what was that, 2012 or 13? Because it was after the Gill fight. Uh, he was still mostly in middle uh-huh. He fought most at 154. I think he, he turned pro at super middleweight, I'm sure. Um, I think yeah, he beat he did, Sam he Solomon. Uh-huh. He beat Sam Solomon as well. Yeah. He, a bit super middleweight, I think. Do you see the Motor City Cobras comment right there? Andy? No. Look, uh, Dion Sanders played in the World Series and they won a Super Bowl. Fuck well, off. But, you know, uh, I, I don't know what his, his achievements were in rugby, but I'm assuming he won some titles and he won he won a handful of boxing titles and that. So he done he done no bad for himself, you know. He's a, he's a great athlete. He's just a great athlete, terrible human being. You know, just is what it is. Um, sticking so, the, coming back. I suppose he's he's been on the wrong side as well, actually, with, the, with some of the stuff that's been picked to him and that as well, because he's Aboriginal background in that as well. Some people kind of think that's a an issue they can hang a have a go at my boot in that as well, you know. He has made he has made himself a pariah, sorry, over the years with some controversial comments. But I just think in the ring you can't really doubt him. But also regarding that card, I downloaded it and had it running in the background. I couldn't really watch it because I was working. But it lasted for about five hours, and then obviously right at the end you come to the main event and he gets knocked out in a round. But most of it was just like so the the MC screaming at the top of his voice for no apparent reason. I don't know if you watched anything else on the card, Andy. Brett Caparello was on it as well. But I've seen that one. Oh, it was dire. Was it? Is that the one Ebony Bridges? Ebony Bridges was on. No, no I, she. I thought it was her, but it wasn't. It was. There was another female fight. I think Bridges might have been the night before. Actually, I don't. I don't think she was on it. I bet Gad was watching it. Yeah, I bet he was on the. Oh, he would have been all right. Rising to the occasion. Yeah, of course. Well, I can see it now. <laughs> well, well, coming back stateside, uh, Ronald Ellis putting in a really gutsy performance and being. Uh, uh, the uh, punching bag for Benavidez for 11 rounds before the referee finally had mercy on his soul. Um, I don't know if either of you guys had a chance I've to catch it. this one. Oh, fuck. What do you think? What do you think of this one? I mean, <laughs> fuck, man. That guy could take a punch, man. That Ronald Ellis is probably never going to be the same fighter again after that fight. I mean, talk about hard as nails, man. I mean, he could have been saved. I know it was an eliminator fight and that, and I can understand if you leave them in there, maybe you could turn it around that, but Benavidez was teeing off on him. I mean, there was a, there was one time, I forget what round it was and that, but Benavidez unloaded with, with four, I think it was three or four, unanswered right uppercuts. One after the other. He had no response to each. All he did was keep the hands up and that, and of course, Benavidez is working, running about that, either uh, up the middle, running the sides, working the body and stuff like that. He ended up just, just beat the absolute crap out of him. Um, I, I don't know what it is with Benavidez, by the way, right? but there's a bit of me thinks that he is just waiting to be taken. And I know he's a he's a good he's a good fighter and stuff, and he's you know he's got power and that. But I think he is absolutely dead at that weight. He looks awful at that weight. He looks really skinny. I like to see him up at one. You know, this guy crams himself at one sixty eight, maybe it'd be a weight billion. Now, I want to see him up at one seventy five to see how legit of a badass he actually is, because you know he's clearly got talent. He's clearly you know a bit of a bad hombre, right? But I want to see him in with a, a legit test, you know. And Plant probably doesn't punch hard enough for that for me. 
I want to see him up at 175. I want to see him fight, fight like Baterbe, for example, to see how bad he is. Um, no saying, as I say, I think he's a really good fighter and stuff like that. There's, just, there's, a, there's a, something about him that doesn't sit right with me. I don't know what it is. But um, well, in the end, yeah, Ronald I... Ellis, man, as I say, could have been saved sooner. Um, but as I say, it was an eliminator fight for a world title. And that. You, you can understand, but I mean, in the end, have mercy, man. Uh, the, the referee gave him every chance in that as well. Mm-hmm. And said, look, mate, please, well, you know, the, I've, I've done yeah. everything I could for you, you know. You know and it was, I'm sad to see, but the, the, the guy gave his absolute everything. He couldn't ask, ask for any more off him. He was he was going for the uh, the uh, Homer Simpson approach, you know, make him hit you so many times until you can just push him over. Unfortunately, he was never able to push him over. One more round, one more round. Um, but you know, um, kind of going off what Andy said there, Steve, I could put David Benavides, Jared Jared Hurd, and Jaime Munguia into a sentence together and take that as you will. I think they are very much the same fighter. Yeah, they are like Benavidez. I think he must have felt Ellis's power early on or lack of power and thought, I'm just going to stand here and take it. We've seen him do that before. He just loves a fight, doesn't he, Benavidez? He's relatively skillful. He's got a decent jab. He throws good shots to the body. He wings in those shots with intent. I think he just loves having a fight. He likes a scrap. He's just a nasty dude. Well, I'm not saying he's a nasty personality. I don't really know. I know he has his troubles outside of the ring, but he just says, right, you can hit me. I'll hit you. Let's see who lasts longer. And Ronald Ellis, respect to him, for the first four or five rounds, I thought he was excellent. He followed the Anthony Durrell uh, blueprint. He got on the ropes. He got his jab working. I think he landed a lot of jabs, which will be, you know, cause for concern for Benavidez. Maybe the likes of Plant, especially Canelo, will be having a look at that, thinking we can land on this guy. But can we hurt him? Gavriel, aka Ricky Gravel, gave him a good fight in their, their first contest. Durrell had a few problems, but they just can't dent him. He's an absolute monster at the weight, as Andy said. I love the way he leans back. It leans out the way of the shot, and then he comes in with those whipping shots. At the moment, nobody's been able to hurt Benavidez. That's the problem. If you can hurt him, back him up, and make him think about what you're throwing, then you'll have success. Ellis was landing the jab. He was landing the right hand. But Benavidez was like, look, I'm just going to keep hitting you as hard as I can, and one of us is going to wilt first, and it ain't going to be me. And it was Ronald Ellis. He'll get another shot off the back of that fair play team. I think Al Heyman maybe threw him in as a punishment for failing weight against Matvey Korobov, but... Benavidez, big ceiling for him. I'd like to see him fight Caleb Plant or somebody of that ilk and then move up to 175, as Andy said. But I don't know. I like Plant, but he busts up, doesn't he? And you could see Benavidez just winging away on him and, and really knocking him about. I, I think there's only one winner there. Yeah, I think so as well. I kind of maybe contradicted my, my own point and stuff like, uh, about the weight issue, and that, but he was really very active with his shots there last night. Benavidez was, especially as, as the fight kind of wore on, he was really pressing for the stop. He's really letting his hands go, you know, especially around the 11 and that. So it doesn't really, doesn't really say that's a guy who's struggling to make weight. But um, I agree with you, Steve. I, I, th- I think he beats Plant. I don't think Plant's got, really got the, the stamina as such. Maybe he's not got the power. Um, certainly got enough skill about him to maybe make it interesting, box move and stuff, maybe trying it because Benavides has has got flat feet. So mm-hmm. you know, Plant could maybe dance on about him for for a bit and that and see how he goes and see how that fight gets, gets into the latter half. Um but I think the real the real test, well, maybe he's want to hang about for the Canelo fight. Everybody is um you, uh, your guy Steve David Morell, really highly touted potentially, mm-hmm. you know. Want to watch out for Berlinga, maybe coming in there. So super middleweight starting to kind of stack up a wee bit in that as well. But really, the future really for me is is, is light heavyweight. And that. I I want to see him in with like say, well again, it's not a division really. It's kind of bitching my talent in the minute and that as well. It's kind of like the other kind of old guys, also runs like say Pascal, Jack, Kovalev, not type of thing and stuff like that. But like say Baterbev or Bivol, Joe Smith, Maxim Vlasov, I'm down for that fight. Like any of those fights for for uh, for Benavides for me. 
I agree. Two things I would say as well, uh, Matty, is first of all, Benavidez, any problems with the weight or discipline problems are counteracted by the fact he's so young at the moment. I think he can get away with that. It's as he goes up towards the 30s, as we all know, he'll start to struggle with weight at the moment. I think he's able to get away with that because of his youth. And also, I'd love to see him fight Canelo. I can't see it happening, not just promotionally, but Canelo's no fool. I'm not saying he would beat Canelo. You know, Canelo's an outstanding fighter, but he's just the type of kid who would just take those shots. Canelo would be landing the jab, landing the body shots, but he'd just be working, wouldn't he? You know, you get to the round six, seven, eight, nine, ten against Canelo. Canelo's trying to take a breather, trying to wander off around the ropes. And Benavidez is like, uh, no, I don't think so. I'll just keep winging away to head and body. He just wouldn't stop coming forward, would they? I think it'd be a really interesting stylistic matchup. Oh, it could be really fun. And one, I think that you'd see uh, the difference between uh, Canelo working behind his shoulder and uh, Plant working behind his shoulder. If you're able to see Benavidez or uh, yeah, Benavidez against both of them, uh, because I agree with you guys. I think you know, talent aside, I think just that that uh, Plant and Benavidez that's a that's a terrible style matchup for Caleb Plant. I I just think that the way that Benavidez puts his shots together, you know, it probably I think it'd end up looking pretty much like the first Cotto Margarito fight, uh, personally. Uh, if he but, gets pit, if he gets if if I think if Plank gets caught in the ropes and stuff and doesn't he fight himself off it and that he could take some heavy punishment and stuff. But I would like to see like say like maybe like, well, obviously like Canelo and that how you know I he would definitely work, work the body. There's there's a lot to aim at. He's a big guy for the weight as, as Steve says and that big big tall lanky dude. Um a lot of body to hit and stuff. So it'd be interesting to see if uh, if someone was to kind of like just just put the pressure on the body and that to see if if the weight cut it's as legit as what, uh, as what we think it might no be, but uh, we'll wait and see. Yeah, looking, just generally looking forward to see what goes on with the rest of his career, because at, at the very least, Benavidez, uh, for any of his flaws inside and outside the ring, he is pure freaking entertainment, so uh, we'll enjoy that while it lasts. Um, saw a pretty interesting fight between Austin, Will- uh, Austin Williams and Dennis Duglin. Uh, I think thought that uh, Williams could have easily finished the fight if he would have kept his uh, appropriate distance after he hurt Douglin on multiple occasions. Don't know if any of you guys saw this and you have any comments whatsoever. Never seen uh, that fight. Mate. I did no. see Gaucher. I did seen the, uh, seen the Gaucher fight. Yeah. Uh, pretty heavy knockdown. Um, that, that was the only thing I caught for that card, apart from the Benavides fight, obviously. Yeah. Do you know that Gaucher was, uh, was the underdog in that fight? Was he? Yeah, I looked at that. I I should have. I put it in a freaking parlay. I shouldn't have. I should have just bet that one straight out. I'm like, I have no idea how Gaucher is an underdog to this guy. Like, well, Clark is go. seriously some dude. Like, this, he has this, no fucking resume to speak of. Well, hang on. He, he went the distance with, with Jason Rosario, who fought uh, Charlo. Mm-hmm. And yeah, that's he, right. He did. He, he did have he, that one fight with Rosario, and he drew with that big, massive dude, uh, Fandora. Yeah, but I mean, I don't but, rate Fandora. Yeah, no, I just no, don't no. rate Fandora. He's yeah, a yeah. knockout waiting to fucking happen. Like, I think it almost shows how much Clark sucks and that he didn't knock that fucking lanky bastard out. The thing, thing is, though, with Gosha, I was uh, I did, I, the usual curse for me. I was thinking in the first round, why on earth is Gosha on our screens again? The last fight was against Erickson Lubin, I think it was. And yeah. didn't he stink the place out against Eris yep. Landy Lara? Again, two KG Southpaws. This could have happened in the Javon, in the Javonte Clark fight. And it didn't. Well, exactly. He's got he's got skills, Gosha. That's the thing. I, I think he is a good fighter, but he fights within himself. This is a former Olympian. He's no mug. Heyman seems to like him. He keeps giving him opportunities. And I thought to myself, here we go after that first round. Clark looked massive. He was getting off the jab. And as soon as Clark leaned in for the first time in that second round, Gosha was bang. like, thanks very much. Bang. Knocked him down. Now, 
clock was in some significant trouble. But I could be wrong here. I don't know what you guys think about the stoppage. I thought McCanty was close to stopping him the first time and he was really twitchy. And whenever Clark went into the corner and then Gosha sort of jumped on him and threw four or five punches, which seemed to be blocked, McCanty was straight in stopping the fight. I would have maybe liked to have seen Clark carry on a little bit longer, but then I, I could be wrong. What did you guys think? Uh, I don't know. <laughs> I, I I think that was waiting to happen. I I thought I don't know. It's I thought it was a pedigree thing. <laughs> it's just saving from an ass whooping. Do you think McCanty was thinking I've seen enough of your fights, son? I'm going to call this off now in case Gosha <laughs> starts getting into a twelve round, and nobody wants to see that. Just, yeah, nobody would have ever gotten a fight. <laughs> I mean, that worked out perfectly. I was able to watch the Benavides fight and go straight to Chocolatito. Uh-huh. You know, and that's because of Gosha. They fucked that. They they would have fucked that entirely. <laughs> Um, so, but yeah, I, uh, you know, I think personally guys, I think Gaucher is just, he's finding his spot in the, uh, in the El Heyman roster basically. And that spot is at, he's a really good gatekeeper because of his pedigree. Um, he's a great gate gatekeeper. He just doesn't have that X factor to bring him over the top in a pretty stacked division. But y- you know what? If you can't beat him, you have no point fighting the champions. Fair point. I saw Cruz as the Cruz fight as well, guys. But I mean, there's nothing to speak of if you haven't seen it. No, I saw that one too, and it's it was a close fight. But Romero was just so negative, you know. I I, it was poor, man. And Cruz yeah. looked a bit heavy as well for me. He could go down the weight, maybe. Yeah, it was it was kind of it was it was underwhelming on all sides. Like Cruz had no semblance of a jab. You know, he, he kept like trying to whip shots over the top when Romero was moving away. It was it was just pretty sloppy on all ends. I'm just put up the rankings. I'm just trying to find Gaucher's ranking in 154. I just noticed he's not ranked at all, actually. So um, just keep a wee eye out in the next month or so, six weeks, to see if he actually makes an appearance at 154 and somewhere in the top 10. Yeah, then he especially deserves w- it. Especially but- WBC, at least, because I know there's a few uh, PBC fighters ranked in the top 10, like, say, Lubin and Harrison, Rosario, Hard and all the guys and that. So it'll be interesting if he kind of maybe, maybe pops in there as well. Hurd needs to go to 160. Mungia and and Hurd both need to be at 160. Much like Benavides, it's like, man, Man, you're just prolonging the inevitable. I've seen a picture of Jarrett Hurd standing next to Kelly Pavlik, right? And he he was like he was like three inches taller than Kelly Pavlik, and Pavlik was a massive dude at 160. Like, so Uh that was your story. Yeah, it's absolutely fucking ridiculous. So, um, let's see here. What do we have here? And uh, you know, um, God, I uh, I think I think we got it all. Uh, Did you guys? Man, I might have missed something from like earlier. Brandon Lee. Brandon oh, yeah. Lee. That was a great over. Man, Steve, you, you called it. What a great prospect, man. That uh, right hand he landed over the top. That was a murderous fucking shot. I know I missed it. I didn't actually see the fight after me bigging up Brandon Lee last week. I never managed to get a copy, unfortunately. But I know his opponent said that he punched like no, no other. So he's going to be in some fun fights, Brandon Lee. Hopefully I'll get a chance to catch this one, but I haven't watched it yet. Yeah, he's patient. He's, he's 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 patient. He's calm, but when he swings, man, he definitely has dynamite in those fists. Heavy puncher, definitely. I, I caught a on Friday night as well. I caught Gary Cully. This, this was the one fight I wanted to watch. Actually, was Victor uh, Kuchikov. Just to see if that that Maxi Hughes fight was all kind of one off and that. Mm-hmm. But uh, I was shocked at the size difference. That Gary Cully man was like, he was like six two, isn't he? I think fucking massive for a lightweight, massive. Yeah. Yeah. And then just then it drop him like that. I was I was shocked. I was really shocked actually. So that was that was a bit a bit a shock actually. Big shock. Uh, Jordan Reynolds quite happy for him to go to six rounds actually because he's a, he's another one who's had that fights postponed and stuff. So he needed rounds. Glad he got them as well. 
Uh, Crocker, I didn't catch it, I think, unfortunately. Uh, I did catch Fury uh, jiving away, talking about, oh, I'm going to get fat, I'm going to go in the, the pub and all that sort of stuff. And that. Clearly, something's going to be kind of coming soon and stuff. Some sort of announcement, surely, to Christ, going to be coming about that fight, surely. I did see that show, um, the IFL show. Yeah, I've seen Collie fight live a few times. He's an absolute rake of a man. I tell you what, there were some tattoos on display on Friday night, wasn't there? A lot, a lot of neck tattoo action going on as well. I don't understand that at all, man. How you can get neck tattoos? I just don't know. <laughs> it's like a polo neck jumper. But no, Collie was Collie's a big puncher. He's very good. Got rid of Joe Fitzpatrick. He's clearly going places. So good luck to him. And Lewis Crocker, I thought he showed another dimension to his game. We know he can punch. He's very left hook happy, but he's really sitting down on his shots now and showing out to a friend of mine, D Walsh from Belfast, who's training him. He's doing a great job with Crocker. I think that was the perfect opponent for him, that ill boy. He came forward, he was strong, he could clearly dig a little bit. And the, the left hook to the body that Crocker landed to drop him was a, a cracking shot. I think that was just the 10 rounds he needed. And he's maturing into a really nice prospect. I can definitely see a British title shot for Crocker soon. That, that was a good little show, that as usual, from them boyos. Yeah, it was a good, uh, good competitive. Well, for the fights I've seen anyway, well, part of it, obviously, Collie obviously destroyed that guy in there. But yeah, I mean, look, the, the on paper, at least, they put in fights that are really at least interesting 50-50s, uh, on paper, at least, and that. But aye, they, they, they put on good shows. Entertain the people, damn it. We demand to be entertained. So uh, before we move on, I'd like to thank Michael Thompson for putting a few money, uh, a few dollars in the chat there. Very much appreciate you, sir. Um, looks like Rob Kelly is coming on too, so he'll get to come on for all the sad stuff right now. Welcome, Rob. Bear with us here, my friend, uh, getting into uh, something real quick. Um, and uh, I'd like to thank everybody in the chat today. We got, uh, we got, of course, we got Michael Thompson. We got Ames. We've even got that crazy guy, Jason Chuckwoo. We got Johnny Horsecock Nelson. We got Jim McDonald boxing. We got a lot of good people in there with us every week. We appreciate you all so much and all the friends of the show through Patreon. Um, you all keep us going. Uh, we can't thank you guys enough for all that you do. Now, for the sad news of the week. Uh, yesterday, we heard the news of the passing of potentially the greatest middleweight of all time, Marvis Mar Marvelous Marvin Hagler. Uh, with a record of 62-3-2, he was never stopped. Uh, he was undefeated for a period of 11 years and 10 months after lifting his uh, title from Alan Minter. Uh, he went on to make 12 defenses successfully with 11 stoppages, the only man going the distance during that time, the great Roberto Duran, surviving 15 rounds with Marvin Hagler. Uh, he finally lost his title in April of 1987 in a very hotly disputed decision to Sugar Ray Leonard. Uh, after that, he retired to Italy uh, where he starred in multiple films and we have lost him at the age of 66. Uh, it's a very, very short list on who the greatest middleweights of all time are. Uh, you, I guess it depends on what depth of resume you look at Sugar Ray Robinson and his time that he spent there. Uh, you have to give Bernard Hopkins and his 20 plus defenses a lot of credit as well. Um, Carlos Monzon, exceptional fighter in his own right. But Andy, I, I don't know, man. I honestly don't know if there is a greater middleweight champion than Marvin Hagler, especially when you understand his contempt for Vegas and you look at little things in all of his fights. They did not want Marvin Hagler to win. No, um, as Joe Frazier once famously said to him that uh, you've got three strikes against you. You're a southpaw, you're good, and you're black. 
Uh, I mean, I think it, it took Ted Kennedy, I think the the center, the center Ted Kennedy, to find, uh, finally get him to get a world title shot. I'm sure. Um, then he got hosed on the cards against Antifermo. Um Finally, he, he obviously got the title shot again against Alan Minter. And the rest is history after that. I mean, you talk about you know one of the all-time greats, without doubt. Um, it's interchangeable who you want to have as your top middleweight of all time. But uh, you've got Robinson, you've got Hagler, Hopkins, Monzon, Greb, Ketchell, if you want to go back further than that, Griffith, Mikael Walker, sorry, Mickey Walker, Sardan. I mean, as a Charles fought, I think, at uh, middleweight in that as well. Um, so, yeah, I mean, look, the, the list the list is long and distinguished, but I just think at the end of the day, if you look at his record, maybe try and break it down a wee bit. Um, outside of Tony Zell, I think he's the, the longest reigning unified champion, or at middleweight at least, or I can't remember if it's championship reign in boxing history. Um, one of the biggest knockout percentages, I think, in all middleweights of all time and stuff like that. As you mentioned, the 12 consecutive uh, defences, Hall of Famer, World Boxing Hall of Fame. I mean, I wasn't, you know, Rob Ote, we, we were on the phone last night for about an hour and then we hung up and then he mentioned me, R.I.P. Marvin Hagler. I went, what? Ah, I saw so him on Twitter and that. I said, I, I didn't want to tweet about it. So I, I started like looking at a few tweets that uh, people that I that I really respect and trust. So I then went to the Facebook and I found his wife's statement and that. I'm like, I, I went to my bed afterwards. I couldn't believe it. Shocked, shocked. I mean, absolutely shocked. Um, it's just, you know, the one fighter you would think it would Marvel Hagler, man, he's a fucking warrior, you know. Um, I just gutted, absolutely gutted. So, absolutely sorry for his family and that. Condolences to his family, his wife, any children that that's, that that survive and stuff like that. Absolutely, I just just gutted. I just absolutely gutted. Couldn't believe it. You know, one, you know, the Fab Four. I, I wouldn't think he would be the first one to go. I probably thought maybe Tommy Hearns or uh, maybe Duran, maybe kind of patting uh, on the yeah, beard and stuff yeah. like that. But I just, you know. And the other thing, I, I, I do want to mention this and stuff like that, and it's, and I, I'm not trying to get this into a, into a vaccination, anti-vax fucking debate and stuff like that, but there's people going on Twitter and that saying that it was due to the vaccine. His wife's come out and said nothing to the, the sort, they've not even uh, said anything about why, how he's died and stuff like that. I don't know if the Tommy Hearns account was, was legit or not, maybe it is, I don't know, but um, we, just, we can't have people going about this saying, oh, he's died because of the vaccine and stuff like that, because you don't know. And Twitter's just fucking full of that stuff, that so just just calm down and just let you know the family will let us know if they want to let us know, or the information will come out when it comes out and that. But R.I.P. Marvin Hagler, man. I mean, Christ, I could go through some of his fights if you want, but um, as I say, he had to fight Wally Worm Monroe maybe three times, I think. Um, lost the first fight, then dominated the second fight, won the third fight. Um, as I mentioned, Antifermo, um, you know, he had to eat shit basically on, on a Leonard card when Leonard's making like something like five figures and he's making a couple hundred dollars or something like that as well. You know, he just he had, he had that chip on his shoulder and um, he was going into prison for his training camps. You know, he ran in army boots. You know, he would backwards. Do the, uh, he would do the Cape Cod, I think it was not even even in the middle, the depth of winter. Closed hotels that he wanted nobody around, just himself. He was in the isolation, a Spartan mindset, and that's mm. how he went about his business. And I, 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 I'm just, I'm gutted, gutted. So rest in peace, champ. He, uh, he was one of the more incredible single weight champions that uh, boxing has ever seen. You know, something that's oftentimes just reserved for the heavyweights of the world. Um, Steve, I was, uh, going back and watching a few fights this morning, uh, most, uh, stuff towards the end of his career and 
the man could take a punch like none other. He was eating shots off of John Mugabe like they're fucking Pez. I mean, he that was something that made was part of what made him who he was, was just the fact that he wanted it more and he could absorb your best shit on the way in. Yeah, wanted it more. That's what sums it up. Andy as well, that chip on his shoulder, that was what drove him. We all know the silk pajamas quote, even after he won the title. He, you know, he waited so long for those opportunities. And once he got it, he was not going to give it up. He was the consummate professional, the consummate pro. And that's why it was such a shock because he was always in a, a guy who was in such great shape during his career and after his career. That's why it shocked me. But, you know, he's in such good, he was a fine physical specimen. I was thinking, Marvin Hagler can't be that old, surely. And then I saw he was only 66. And I'm not going to get into, you know, the, the circumstances around his death or anything, but I I was, I was shocked, to be honest, when, when I heard he'd gone. So he was obviously before my time and most of the, the time of the boys on the pod, but I've gone back and watched the DVDs many years ago, the relationship with the Petronellis, how long it took for his title shot was one thing. He just, the guy went on for years and years, and the names that are on his resume, just outstanding names, he wasn't picking up bums here. He got guys like Sugar Ray Seals, Willie Munro, um, even you know Antofermo, he got the draw with. That didn't dissuade him. He, went, he came back up again against guys like Folio Bell, me and Andy, Watched William Caveman Lee against um, John the Cicero, two big, massive bangers. And whenever you beat these kind of guys, you're sort of soaking up their resumes as well. You know, the Finnegans, the Sibsons, these were multiple European champions. These were no mugs. And Hagler was just adding them to the resume. Fantastic resume. John the Beast, Mugabe, another guy you mentioned in there. Absolutely massive oh, punch you know, and he he got rid of him as well. And then, of course, the the Leonard fight. We did a punches. We wasn't the punches from the past. I think me, Rob, and John O'Donovan did something on the Leonard fight, and it's had a lot of controversy. But Hagler was an absolutely amazing fighter, and he would have got multiple world title shots many times over in the modern era. But he, he did things the hard way, and he certainly took advantage of it. He said, "Once I got that title, I'm not going to give this up for anything." And some great names on the resume: the Ham Show fight, Antifermo, uh, Folio Bell, undefeated, another another big fighter. So. Much respect to Hagler, there, but there's people more knowledgeable on the subject than me. Uh, but he was a great fighter from what I've seen, and I, I never tire of watching his fights, so rest in peace for sure. Yeah, it's uh, definitely a sad day for boxing. And uh, Rob, uh, what, what are your thoughts on uh, on such a, an incredible southpaw master? Uh, I mean, the inside fighting and using the jab to, to make that distance close. I mean, the, the, guy, the guy had everything. He could he could truly outdo you at whatever it was that you wanted to do to him. Yeah. I mean, look, I'm one, I'm one of the ones that's old enough to remember him. As Steve said on the pod, I'm going to be 43 in July. So it should have been you, Rob. It should have been you. (laughs) Well, well, yeah, yeah, yeah. It could be it. Um, But, uh, (laughs) Well, I was I going to say? No, I like. I mean, my some of my earliest boxing memories are are Hagler. Like, I remember, I remember clearly the the super fight between him and Leonard. I remember the build up. I remember watching the, the broadcast on ITV. Reg Guthridge and uh, Jim Watt, Rosenthal was there as well, live from Vegas. I remember then going to see Caesar's Palace when I was over in Vegas. Just look at some of the memorabilia and the posters on the wall from the fights that happened there. Um, I remember. I've have a memory as well of it. Must have been the fight before. Hearns and Hagler fought. We were living in our old house, and Hearns, Tommy the Hitman, comes out and he punches uh, through a picture of Hearns. It's either that way or the other way around. I'm not sure. I'm not sure what way they did it, but they were hyping the fight. But I can't look. It, and when, when legends pass, everybody has their their little spiel and everybody has their thing to say. I can't really say any more about him. The Andy summed it up perfectly. And I mean, it's ironic. I was just, as Andy said, we were on the, on the phone to each other. And the minute I got off, I was like one of the biggest Hagler fans. I was like, no way, man. I can't. I can't even believe this. And then another one of my close friends, boxing fan, 
uh, snooker champion Rodney Goggins. He rang me. He's a massive Hagler fan. He couldn't believe it. It's just it, he was one of those guys that had an impact on you. He's you know it's overstated about his aura, but that was real. Like he was a real bad man of boxing before Tyson. There was Hagler. Hagler was the epitome of a badass. Like fight you, fight you to the death. Fight with two hands. Can switch hit. Go any way. Counter punch. Lead off. And there's so many things in his career to look back on. I mean, he's he's been involved in one half and um, and the 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 victor in what's probably the best fight of all time. When you break it down, it's it's very high on a lot of people's list as the greatest fight ever. That fight with Thomas Hearns, and you know, people people remember it for the excitement and Hearns' hair flying and he got him hurt and all his heart hanger, his heart hanger. But what happened to him? Bit right down, turn it right back around, and stop Tommy Hearns. Like so, you know. An incredible anti, incredible fighter. I don't want to even at a time like this talk about the result in the in the Leonard one because I, I I think you know I I think Leonard won the fight enough and it was Hagler's kind of was instrumental in his own downfall. But you know you're you know you're micro analyzing one performance over a career like that to find any kind of criticism against him. Absolutely unbelievable for the sport. And I like the way he kind of stayed retired too. I like the way he you know he he retired with the Huff and he stayed retired. He, he's his legacy was what it was. You know, the, the no partners, as he said, Spartan, Spartan mentality. That's something that I think a lot of fighters could get down with today. It would be harder to do, I think, in the social media era. But but a throwback to that, to that mindset um, wouldn't steer you wrong for, for a professional fighter. But, you know, rest in peace, Marvin Hagler. Truly one of the greats. Arguably the greatest middleweight of all time. Definitely in the argument to be the top three or four um, over time. You know, Andy's mentioned the Steel, Tony Zale and... Graziano and Lamada and these guys, but really like Hagler, Hagler was 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 on another level. So rest in peace. Can I just add something in there for on the back of what Rob said? Actually, I think what was so great about the Hagler Hearns fight was that it was two of the best fighters around. All the marbles were on the line. We love a super fight, but how how often do they let us down? I don't mean that in yeah. you know in a a bad sense necessarily because the best fighters get together and because they're so good, they cancel each other out. They negate each other's strengths and we end up with dull fights because they're such good fighters. These two guys went out there and said, right, I'm the biggest puncher. I don't like you. I'm going to prove supremacy. I'm the better man. And the other guy said exactly the same. I, I want these belts. I'm the better man. I'm going to prove that. And they were like, fuck this. Let's go down and show who it is. And they just went for you know, completely to war for three rounds. No messing about, no points decision. And I think that was what made it such a great fight. It wasn't, you know, we see great fights all the time, six rounders, eight rounders. We mentioned earlier, John LeCicero against Caveman Lee. Nothing like on the line in that fight, what there was here. And that was, it was just the occasion, the magnitude, what was on the line and the fact that they went to war. I think it just made it such a, such a great uh, event and a great occasion. Well, what was the, uh, I mean, what was the most boring of all the fights between the big four? Like if you, I'm trying to come to uh, like, I'll think of that. The fight between Geron and Leonard, the fight was like two yeah. guys sleepwalking. Yeah, that was, that was like, the, that was really the only one that wasn't interesting in any way. That's incredible. I mean, you talk about a different era of sports. The second, the second Duran Leonard fight was a stinker. I mean, Leonard did what he had to do, but it was a fucking horrible fight to watch. Spectacle wise, I think that's the worst of the horrible, horrific. What I was going to say though about uh, about the uh, again about the mentality side of stuff and that as well is when you absolutely had to get the job done because he was told by his corner against against uh, Tommy Hearns. They're going to stop you in this cut. Your cut. It was a bad cut actually in that as well. So you got to stop him. And then they went out in that third round and absolutely obliterated him. And then obviously you got the excuses for Manny Stewart about the about the massage and the legs and stuff like that. Too many people in the entourage. Hearns apparently broke his hand and 
it was just nine minutes or whatever it was that it lasted a pent up fury. And the other thing as well is people forget that that, uh, that fight was originally postponed because I think did Herzl break his hand or break his pinky or something like that? And then Hagler was going mental about it stuff like that. So obviously Hagler was like, you know, just, I didn't care if I got a broken toe or a broken hand, I'd be fighting you anyway. Uh, just that absolute badass. And the thing as well is uh, that, that Philadelphia boxing scene, especially going around about the Blue Horizon in Philadelphia and that, where it was a, an actual boxing arena, a boxing venue and that. The fucking hard... The, 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 the guys that came out of that were absolutely hardcore, heavy-duty, bad bastards. And I don't know if Hagler fought in the Blue Horizon, but he fought, like I say, in the Spectrum, which kind of like took over and stuff like that. But uh, it says William Monroe... Benny, Benny, Benny Briscoe, I'm sure he fought Benny Briscoe. Benny Briscoe fought Carlos Monzon twice, I'm sure, for the title. Three times, possibly. Yeah, another fighter who, by today's standards, would probably be classed as... Um, so I think a fighter who would be classed as a kind of gatekeeper as such. But, you know, if, if, if you take Gabe Rosado, for example, as a gatekeeper, right? Fucking Benny Briscoe was better than Gabe Rosado. So that tells you the kind of era, about the 70s and 80s, the Philadelphia boxing scene, especially that middleweight scene and stuff like that, was... Bitching with talent. Yeah, it was an absolutely incredible time for boxing. And um, I, I guess kind of us in the States not having those local scenes anymore um, <coughs> is a part of uh, why sometimes it's hard to build up talent sometimes. So um, hopefully we get back to those days because uh, uh, the world needs more Marvin Hagler's. I'll leave it at that. So, um, and uh, I'll, just real quick, too. Um, Can you imagine Ryan Garcia running down Cape Cod? Uh, in the cold, shouting war, I can for about ten or fifteen seconds before he jumps back in the van after clipping it for TikTok or fucking Instagram or whatever the fuck he be doing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you'd probably do it like screaming Pepsi or something like that. Um, so, but um, yeah. and just uh, you know, um, yeah, I don't know exactly what the makeup of all our listeners are, but um, you know, just a heads up, uh, you know, black men, you got to take care of yourselves. The uh, age of social security in the United States. Is 65, and the average age of a, of a black male in the country is 63 and a half at time of death. So uh, please, black men, take care of your health um, because that uh, that's criminal. So anyhow, uh, moving on, we have a few questions to get to from our glorious listeners. Let's see here. Daniel Wilson asks, did you guys catch Alex Vega versus Hiroto Kayaguchi undercard fight? We are, did cover this, but when all four foot nine came out to traditional muck Mexican trumpet music, I had to try not to laugh. When they had called him his nickname El Mini, I had to. I'm surprised that guy even weighs uh, 199, an entertaining one, that's for sure. Um, you know, just bridging off of this question. Uh, what's the shortest fighter any of you guys can think of other than this dude? Four foot nine. Can you guys think of baby, baby one? Jake, baby yeah. Jake Matt Lawler. That was the one that I mentioned to you, mate. Yeah. Baby Jake was the one that I told uh, you about. Uh, he, try to he was about four ten, wasn't he? Something ridiculous. Ah, uh, something. Like that. He was world champion. Fought Damian Kelly. That's right. Yeah. I uh, mm-hmm. fought Pat Clinton. Or uh, was it Pat Clinton? I'm sure. I think he won his title against Clinton actually. Yeah, I mean that's that's amazing. I mean these guys can like go out and win a uh, a championship, and yet they uh, would have to ask for assistance for anything off the top two shelves at a grocery store. What an interesting existence that must be. <laughs> Let's see here, our good buddy Joe Kennedy. Uh, I have to say it was a pretty good card, top to bottom. But what a fight to finish it off! If Chocolatito isn't the greatest flyweight of all time, who is? Um, Andy, this is your area of expertise. Who are you uh, putting on top of Roman Gonzalez, if anybody? 
It's the greatest flyweights of all time. Yeah. Christ, man, that's a talent rich division going back fucking right back to the start of the sport. But wasn't Benny Lynch a flyweight? Benny Lynch was a flyweight, yeah. But um, obviously, the alcohol problems and stuff like he's he's reign as champ was, was you know he lost his title on the skills eventually. You got Miguel Canto, Jimmy Wild, but you're going back to an era when you know tape is very very hard to get a hold of and stuff. Um, uh, a couple of tie fighters, you got that Pong King pitch, uh, Pascal Perez. Did I mention him? Boy for Argentina. Um, very own Tansy Lee. Um, who's a Thai fighter that fought? He uh, uh, fought the uh, uh, Kameda Wonkon Jam. Um, I think he was like he was, oh, pound for pound. Yeah. he was pound for pound ranked for years. That's um, Efren right. Torres. Hey, Steve, about Rennie Monahan. Yeah, Rennie Monahan. That's right. Um, the Italian guy that I think uh, Walter McGowan beat for the title. I forget his name at the minute. I think he was multiple time European champ and stuff like that. But if you're talking like say like the number one of all time in that, I I got you know hist- hist- historical context and stuff like that, but probably need to go down the route of possibly Jimmy Wilde, possibly, just because like, he was he was another guy who was so small who if he'd be fighting in this era, he'd be fighting at minimum weight and he was fighting bantam weights and he at his prime and he was sparking these guys and stuff like that. So he was no he was no joke. And boxing doesn't tell you the full story sometimes with these old school fighters and, that, and, and the fights that they fought and that. I mean, fucking Jimmy Wilde was fighting in booth fights. You know, the, the, the rank by the time he retired, that like, he had something like fucking four or five hundred fights on his resume and that. Um, Pancho Villa, I think he was one of the first Philippine champions and stuff like that. He well, died. There's on there's people that you forget around those like those lightweights too. I was I was I was like was he at 112? But no, he was at 108. I was thinking of Michael Carbajal. You talk about uh, a guy yeah, with an yeah. underrated yeah. resume. That guy, Roberto uh, Gonzalez. Huh? Yeah, his two fights, man. I mean, those were tight fights, man. Those were what tight weight was fights. Ricardo Finito Lopez at? He he fought minimum weight and light flyweight. Right. Yeah. So, he was he, he was a good technician, very 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 good technician. Jabs, left hooks, right hands, stuff. Um, not really much a big hitter, so he's up and waiting. I don't know how he had a fair at 112 to be honest with you, but he was a master technician. Like, talk talking to master technicians, I'm going to throw a name in now. I'm not saying he's the best flyweight of all time, I couldn't make a case for that. But there was a guy around the 90s called Yuri Arbachakov, he's actually been on the yeah. Hall of Fame list a few times. He was a proper fighter. I brought his record up here again 23 and 1, 16 knockouts. He only fought for seven years, he was a Russian. Russian. But because of the, the the wall, he couldn't he couldn't turn pro in Russia. So he had to turn pro after the eighty eight Olympics, I think it was in Japan, like you said, Andy. Yep. And he had every fight but one or two in Thailand. The others were all in Japan. He made about ten defenses of the WBC title. Now I can't really vouch for the how good the opponents were or anything. But if you watch this guy, he was one hell of a fighter, technically speaking. He could duck, he could move, he could jab. His footwork was excellent. He put his punches together really, really well. Arbacheikov was a proper technician, and I think he would have done well in any era. So I want to give a shout-out to him. Very, very good fighter. There's an interesting video on YouTube about his move to Japan at the time because because he was a foreigner in Japan, he actually got, he actually got housed in a, a sector, the city and that, that was specifically for foreigners. Uh-huh. I, wonder if, I wonder if that shit still goes ahead and stuff. But another another fight we're talking about running about these weights not, uh, for South Korea, Jong Chu Chang. This guy, man, they called him the, the, the Korean Hawk because he fought like Aaron Pryor. Honestly, God, man, you've never seen like, really anything recently at like flyweight, a guy fighting like this, man. He was just all action. He uh, fought Kitakism for Thailand. I'm sure he might have fought um, the long-standing champ, is it a... Uh, Zapata, I think it was Hilario Zapata, 
We fought him twice. German Torres fought him three times and stuff like. That. Oh man, I mean, there's so many good fighters that run about this weight that you could you could discuss as being some of the greatest and that. But Gonzalez, without question, man, is going to be in the conversation without doubt. I mean, he's come up for light flat minimum weight, sorry, all the way up to super flyweight, and he's still going. You know, it's unheard of, guys. But, that but, weight but that, that, still fighting. But considering that, then doesn't Estrada have to be in the same discussion? Yeah, I suppose you got to give me you got to give me respect, and he's doing that without doubt. Um, yeah, he's yeah. yes. I mean, yeah, and then at that rung Vasai needs to be discussed too. Um, he's got three wins well, over those two guys in yeah. four fights. I suppose and then he factored in as well that he actually ended the Gonzalez reign properly by like knocking him out and stuff like you think what is that like, he's, he's ended a legend there. Oh uh, well, yeah, we the legend it was over. Yeah, but the legend came back. Yeah, and, and yeah, Pancho, Pancho. Andy mentioned Pancho Villa as well. Just a quick shout out to Pancho Villa. He was one hell of a guy. Uh, many, a couple of years ago, actually, there was a, an American fella was writing a book on Pancho Villa and I was editing it for him. I don't think it ever came to print for whatever reason, but looking into his record, Pancho Villa was, he was some character. They had, mm-hmm. I think he fought from, he was born in 1900. He fought till 19, uh, 1925. He was only 24 when he died. I think he died of like sepsis or something. Uh, he had 87 a, fights. Dental complications, wasn't his yeah. boxing record? Great, <laughs> dental records weren't up to it. Guys, let me throw this out before we move on. I actually go back to that one. I'll tell you what, Nonito, Nonito Donaire has a fantastic resume uh-huh. at 112 pounds. I forgot he fought at 112. So that, that's, where, that's where he wrecked Darchinian, man. Aye. Darchinian was fucking people up at that weight. Yeah, fucking fuck, them up. Yeah. Yeah. Did well at Super Flyweight as well. Did they? We, we, mm-hmm. I love Vic, man. I loved him. He was absolute mental. Yeah, and Vic came back, man. You you had to love that. But I, I mean, because he was like, he fought like a fucking caveman. His posture was so ugly. He looked like the fucking hunchback of Notre Dame in there. <laughs> but that guy could wing a left hand, man. He could wing it. Um, Someone just sent me a, a tweet there, actually, and uh, it's for Clever Shithole 2 on Twitter. And that. I forgot this name, actually. Kaushu Galaxy for Thailand. Ex-kickboxer. Yeah, he, he actually used to get shown on was it ITV, Rob? Jim Watt and that used to interview yeah, uh, commentating his fights. I forget the tie-in against Steve. I mean, remember the tie-in again, how that, how that came to fruition. But, uh, Galaxy was uh, a mini Mike Tyson. I think that's how he was, he was building that. It's just the physique on him. Absolute built up. Uh, a mini brick shithouse, basically, and that. that's who fucking thick he was. I think he lost one very early in his career and then went through the rest of his career undefeated. Absolute animal. Yeah, and there's just there's some there were some good fighters down there with quality resumes who might not be the greatest, but they shouldn't be overlooked. Jorge Arce has really good a, re- a resume at the lower weights, man. Like, he really uh, he does. Was a good, he was a good fighter, Arce. No, he was. Fuck yeah, he was, man. Coming out in his fucking cowboy hat, fucking love that on guy. his horse. <laughs> yeah, fucking a man, fucking a man. They wouldn't put a, they didn't even put a diaper on that horse. They didn't give a fuck. <laughs> so, um. But anyhow, uh, now for our final question here. Bear with me. And I guess this is just us kind of eating some humble pie. Ryan Deal says, can the pod issue a full apology to me after I called Blotzy to Virgil Hunter after his last fight, which was vehemently refuted? Um, yeah, by who? Yeah. By who? I don't by know. Who, sorry. 
probably one of us probably one of us i mean you know between the small handful of us we're pretty contrary assholes so uh you know yeah we'll we'll just take that one good call on that ryan shout out to ryan dale ryan Ryan dale's one of the patreon good guys he he always throws a few quid in the super chat as well even though i think i see i think i think i see virtual hunters we bite a gun for hire these days and i think that's what i said i don't know if i said it was a bad move or refuted it i don't know if i said that but yeah, and I don't know if that's that's you know the right choice or something like that. It's kind of like all the people who went to Freddie Roach during Pacquiao. Like, yeah, some of you guys should work with Freddie Roach. It makes perfect sense, but mm-hmm. you know, a good handful of y'all, you fucking shouldn't be with him. It makes literally no sense. So, um, but anyhow, moving on, we got some fights coming up this week. Um, you know, if either of you guys want to uh, cover the card that you guys going on have going on in Bolton, I have no clue about much of that at all. And if not, we can just move on from there. Well, I'm just interested in the main event, to be honest with you. Actually, Steve maybe wants to kind of come in with a Maxi Hughes, Paul Highland fight possible for the British title. But good to see Lee McGregor back in that. I want to see how he's going to make the weight, actually, because obviously he's brought in a dietitian involved to make 118. Uh, Gowfrey's you know, he's competent enough in that he, he can spring an upset if he's if you're not on it by the way because I'm sure he came over here and um, he was an underdog against it was it Ryan Faraga I think his name was and he smashed the guy up in like four rounds or whatever it was and then he got a good win against uh, Stefan Jamal to win the European title and then he had a, a, a basically he got I, I think he got, I can't mind the the, the, the Dasmarenia's fight where he got knocked out and that but um, certainly, he's one to watch. Definitely need to be respected in that. But um, I'd imagine McGregor would probably manage to kind of sneak this one out. I think I think he'll maybe win it on points. Um, I don't know if Steve's wanting to maybe mention anything about the, the rest of the car. Obviously, Max is a former guest at the pod and that as well. And you've got uh, Patrick McCrory on that card as well. Uh, yep, I think there's some good fights on this. McCrory was actually in line to fight David Lemieux in Canada. It was all si- well, it was close to signed, sealed, and delivered. And then the Canadian TV people said that they weren't happy with McCrory as an opponent. I know, I know, Podrick is a good guy. He's he's done things the hard way. So this is a good fight for him against Jermaine Brown. I think off the top of my head, Jermaine Brown might have been one of the Al Siesta fighters who was out in Belarus. I could be mixing him up with somebody else, but Podrick's a big puncher, so hopefully he'll get the job done. Paul Highland. He's fought at British level before and European level hasn't quite made the cut. So you'd imagine Maxi Hughes, with all his experience, will do a job on him. I remember Maxi Hughes coming over to Belfast years ago and, and outboxing James Fryers. So I don't think he'll stop Paul Hyland, but I think he'll beat him. And as for Guerfi McGregor, that's a proper fight there. And I'm looking forward to that one. Obviously, they'd be expecting McGregor to probably get the job done, but Guerfi's no mug whatsoever. So yeah. that's a good card. Yeah, but I'll definitely be uh, tuning in. Also, shout out to friend of the pod, Louis Norman who's on the undercard. I think it's the same person. He's going in against Shabazz Masood. Louis was on a couple of years ago. He's got his work cut out there. Masood's uh, aiming for the top, but always good to see one of our former friends getting a good opportunity there. And again, another another good card. M- I was going to say MTK card, so praise be to Daniel yeah. Kinahan. Praise be to MT- absolutely, praise be to M- MTK. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Protect yourself the best you can, there, buddy. Protect yourself um, at all times. <laughs> amen, amen. Um, uh, Rob, do you got anything on that card, my friend? Absolutely nothing, but I will watch all it. Right. Free, free, right. free of charge. 
I like that. I like it more if I wasn't trying to adjust my mic at the same time. Let's see here. Um, and over here stateside, actually, I think this fight is coming on on Wednesday for some reason. Got an interesting fight. Alberto Machado making his return to the ring against Tanahara. Uh, definitely be trying to catch that one. Um, we also have uh, Arthur Betrbiev making a defense against Adam Deans. Deans. I don't know how you might say that one. Nah, uh, waste of time, man. Yeah, yeah. What, what what do you think? Less than less than five, less than three. Yeah. What, what are we doing there? I, I've never seen Dines. Andy might have seen Dines, but I mean, Baturbiev, he's, he has hand trouble or he's got some kind of injury problems. Clearly, as we've seen, he's ne- he's not active enough as it is. He has promotional issues. I, I want to see more Gavosdik level fights. I know he's got to have mandatories and get them out of the way, but this does nothing for me. Constantly postponing it. He was going to fight the Chinese fella. Now it's this Dines. Get rid of him and get him back out again in a couple of months. Yeah, Dines is like, yeah, that was the one that the, the Chinese guy beat in an eliminator. So I don't know if it's because ranking, I, I know uh, Fanlong was, was an issue there, but the, obviously the politics and that, and there was something happening in China again with the Muslims that were getting murdered, and then Batebev wasn't going to go there and stuff like that. But yeah, I think Batebev will, will do this guy, I'm going to say. Again, it will depend on how he approaches the fight in that as well. Um, Dines is, he's not really big for the weight and that, and Batebev is, a, is a, a tall dude, and that, but he's thick set. I think um, if he goes about his business properly, that he'll do it uh, in the, uh, the late rounds. A couple of names in that card as well. You got Alexander Best Putin. I don't know. Was he no way top rank at one point? Best Putin. Wasn't there some kind of issue with him? Was wasn't he going to fight was Terence Crawford or something? Is that what it was? And they got I can't mean the situation again. You've no, got um, you got Igor McElkin in that card. I think he fought Kovalev in that as well. So a couple of you know names and that are coming recycled. But I'll be honest with you, that that Russian card actually kind of intrigues me a bit more actually than that uh, than the uh, the Sky card. I always say that. I mean, I'm also interested in the main event next week in that. Well, that sorry, Russian Andy, card. was Besputin the guy who fought on one of the matchroom cards against another Russian? And there was so, yeah, um, the guy the guy who right. won like tested positive or something. But ah, I just pulled up his ranking here, so let's see this. I can't remember oh, what you would call the other fella. That, he yeah. tested positive for something here. Let's see this. Right. Uh, he doesn't say what he tested positive for. I need to go and pull up his record a bit more to see if I can find out what the hell has been on there. But again, it's just this boxing top level again. And that you just we expect these things to be going on in the background. If it's not enhanced performance, it's to make weight so or or to recover. So yeah. All right, so um, yeah, it could be an interesting card from Russia. What I think that's on, I think that's on Saturday. I think it's early Saturday for the state side, probably afternoon for y'all. He got um, done. He got done for Ligandrol, which is some sort of non steroid oral selective androgen receptor modulator. So it's the it's a deal with conditions of muscle wasting. So obviously, a guy's trying to make weight. He's trying to kind of maintain. Maintain the mass or maintain the muscle and stuff like that, you know. So, so he's not mm. kind of stripping too much muscle off himself and stuff. So, aye, he's been using it to make weight. Sounds like just what you want to be putting into your body, especially <laughs> in Russia, anyway. So, it's going to be a fair game, I suppose. You know? Exciting times. Um, so, uh, let's see here. Do we want to go stateside or over your way? Well, we'll go stateside first. We got a good card, uh, coming from Texas. Uh oh, from Texas. Um, going to be uh, a couple of good fights on there. Uh, uh, Kano against uh, Jonathan Navarro. I don't know if you guys have any thoughts on that one, but I really like the uh, the main event as a stepping stone for Virgil Ortiz taking on Maurice Hooker. Um, I, I think that's going to be a fantastic fight, and uh, if Virgil Ortiz can get Hooker out of there, uh, I think just keep moving up the ladder. Uh, do you got any? I think exc- he will. 
Yeah, I, I, you know, I, I mean, considering, uh, you know, that he's been stopped before at 140, even though that wasn't a really competitive fight, um, you'd, you'd have to think it would go that way. Uh, Rob, what direction are you leaning on this way? Do you think Ortiz is going to continue his rise or does Maurice Hooker potentially have something in store for him? Or Andy, whoever wants to take that. <laughs> Rob saw him mute. He must be. <laughs> Go for it. Uh, uh, yeah, so uh, um, Hooker, as I say, he's, he's had, I'm not saying he's chinning up, he's been dropped a few times in his career and stuff. And, uh, uh, certainly, it's a point for him in that as well. I think Golden Boy are probably picking the right opponent for him here because obviously, come off that, that, that Ramirez stoppage and that, they think, like, okay, Ortiz, get a, an ex-world champion on the resume and that it's for a vacant bobble or some sort and that so it's going to enhance his rank and possibly even tip him over to try and get a, a, a mandatory position over Sean Porter and that I think it'll make a mandatory for Terence Crawford I think so it'll be interesting to see how that kind of you know falls into place but at this point uh, you know me and Steve are big fans of uh, Virgil Ortiz he's one of our yeah. prospects of the years and stuff like that um, his last fight against um Sammy Vargas, I think he tried to kind of press the stoppage a bit too much. Now, I thought he was a bit kind of erratic in that. Um, certainly he missed a few shots and stuff, but clearly, clearly a great, great talent. And, you know, the last three fights and that, four fights, he think he beat Herrera and that as well. So he's fighting these very vets, journeyman, no, uh, gatekeeper type uh, people in that as well. So this is another step up. It's another step in the right direction, shall we say. Um, and one I think he's going to come through pretty impressively. I think he'll, he'll do the business... Um, I don't want to write Hooker off too much now because you know obviously you know the, the guy's done well for himself that they get get himself into a title fight now. But I I think Ortiz at some point is going to be the future at, at, at one forty seven. So if he keeps improving, I can see him winning by stoppage. I'm going to go eight to ten round stoppage. I agree. Sure. I think uh, I think earlier, Mate. I I think that this fight is going to go pretty much the same way as the. Um, who was the other one? Uh, Ramirez fight. I think it's going to go pretty much the same way as the Ramirez fight. I think Hooker's going to mess him about early on. It's going to be nip and tuck jabs and maybe a few power shots. Then Ortiz is going to hurt him, stick him against the ropes and absolutely bang the shit out of him. I'm going five or six rounds. Pretty much a carbon copy of the Ramirez fight. You know, I, I don't doubt that whatsoever. Um, I, I, I tend to think that's the way it's going to go as well. But, you know, Hooker Hooker can do some good work in there. I Hopefully he at least, um, you know, gives gives Ortiz a little bit of experience because I mean, what I really look forward to in the future, uh, you know, Rob, is what, what I think will be a really exciting down the road is Ortiz against either Taylor, Ramirez, Progre. I like all of those fights, and I like them a lot. Yeah, I think Taylor. I think Taylor, if he gets past Ramirez, is going to go to forty-seven. And we, you know, he's tied at the weight, or the talk is he's tied at the weight. He's definitely big for one forty. Um, I didn't catch. I was actually off the call, so I don't even know who you're talking about. Who's the, Ortiz? Oh, we're, we're on the Virgil Ortiz Hooker fight. All oh, right, okay. I'm all, yeah, yeah. I think Jesus. You know what? Give Maurice Hooker a bit of credit in this fight. Um, I think he'll pose problems for Virgil Ortiz. I don't think it's going to be as high as I am on Ortiz. I don't think it's going to be easy. Like I don't think Hooker will give it up. Problems maybe for Hooker when he's backed up. Um, but if he can get some rhythm going and, and establish a bit of distance, he's, he's got lovely straight punches, Maurice Hooker. Um, and that could cause trouble for anyone. But I think Ortiz will get on the inside after round seven, start roughing him up. 
And I don't know if we knock him out down the stretch, but I think he, he'll win, o- win over the course. But I think Hooker will, will cause some kind of problems for him or give him, a, uh, give him a, a look that he might need to adjust to. I'm, I'm not so sure. Can I throw a question out to anybody? How good is Maurice Hooker? Because I'm confused. I remember when he fought on HBO, wasn't it against Darlis Perez? And I remember the HBO commentary team that night. They were like, yeah, it's this undefeated prospect, Maurice Hooker, or he might have had a draw on his record at that point. And they were like shocked about two or three rounds in just how bad this guy was. And he was absolutely terrible. Never went near HBO again. And he had those two back-to-back wins, didn't they? Terry Flanagan, Flanagan. you know, yeah. ra- ran around and outboxed him. And then Saucedo, who was undefeated, but not really as good as a 25-0, 26-0 record suggested. So I'm wondering just how good Hooker is. I, I think he's a bit of a headbanger, isn't he? Like, I think he's a bit outside the ring. He's another one, isn't he? Yeah. So, I, 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 remember, um, I remember one for, uh, the fight against um, on the Glofkin Lemieux card. He, he lost that fight. Uh, was it my dad? Um, what do you call him? Give me a sec to pull it up. Give me two seconds. Aye, it was... Um, uh, oh, fuck, what's his name went to? Gislan Maduma. I'm sure did did they did Kevin Mitchell will fight him back in the day? Aye, did Kevin Mitchell fought him at Wembley on the fucking on the on the Froch Groves undercard and that. Uh-huh. Well, that fight, I remember seeing bits of that fight and stuff. Like that, and I remember what really sticks out to me in that fight was the reaction to the crowd when he got the, uh, the decision. Um, really, Maduma was a decent, competent wee fighter in that, and he really could have got the nod in that really close fight, split decision victory in that. But he's been dropped numerous times, and I just think with Ortiz's power and that, if he's no want to over overshoot himself like he did against slightly against against Vargas, not trying to press the stoppage and that, just take his time with him, just break him down. And uh, I think um, Hooker Hooker's okay, but I just think he's got fragilities and that. He's he's got his level. It's no elite world. I think Virgil Ortiz is certainly at this point in his career. I think he's kind of either on that same level as Hooker, or maybe he's just slightly past him. Um, but certainly, it's going to ask. I, I agree with Rob to a point in that as well. I think Hooker will ask some questions uh, to a point in that. I mean, he's quite experienced. Now. He's had almost thirty fights and stuff as, as a as a. He's pro. a gatekeeper. I think. I think uh, but, kind of like Terrell Gaucher. I really think he's kind of the consummate yeah. gatekeeper at the end of the day. Yeah, yeah. What are you, what are you picking in this fight? What are you got? Oh, oh, definitely Ortiz, man. That that he's he's a really good puncher. He's he's a good puncher, uh, tremendously athletic. I, I guess the question is, can he? You know, what kind of shots can he take? But uh, you know, he he seems to be fairly uh, responsible on defense. You know, he knows what he is. He's a puncher, but he's not going to give it all away. So I, I'm, I'm high on the kid. I'm real yeah. high on the kid. Still got that hundred percent knockout ratio and that, so it'll be good for him if he can if he can get stoppage at least because it's a, it's a it's a mini statement actually if he does stop him. I think. I think he will. I think Hooker's getting smashed to bits. But then again, everybody knows what my predictions are like. <laughs> okay, I'm, I'm, yeah, I'm, yeah, you're, you're fucked, Virgil. You're, you're fucked. <laughs> you, can bl- you can blame Steve. Ortiz is getting DQ'd now. I can guarantee it. So, um, yeah, and uh, so moving over, um, and God, I don't. Did they did they find a venue for for the fights over there this uh, this weekend? Uh, I looked on the SPN boxing schedule, and you're still TBA for uh, Ocoli versus Glocky and uh, Fowler and uh, uh, Fortea. Is it Wembley? Okay, cool. Wembley, well, fan- fantastic. Well, they should update that. But uh, hey, what a great venue at short notice, huh? Um, but uh, yeah, it should be a pretty fantastic card over there. Uh, the Akoli Glocky fight does look good. But uh, what are you feeling, Andy? Uh, to, when it comes to Fowler, do you think uh, this kid's got much to <laughs> offer? Eh. <laughs> <laughs> Is he trolling you, Andy? <laughs> <laughs> hey. 
I just swallowed my tongue there. Hey, ah. sw- swallow away. It's 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 what a good girl does. Oh, okay. Um, look, the guy is fine. I, I, I think Phil's coming off COVID and stuff like that, so he's uh, at least that's one victory that he's got. But this guy, I've never seen him fight. I know he's been in the um, a couple of name fighters or a couple of guys who would uh, people would probably recognise and stuff, but I've never seen him fight. To be honest with you, I, I, I kind of mind if it's a late minute or a, a, a kind of like a late notice replacement and stuff. But I dare say Fowler's probably going to win this fight. Probably, um, I've, I've, unless the guys have seen this guy and maybe know something that I don't. Um, this is the guy's practically fought his entire career in Spain. Which over there and that it's you're basically cannon fodder for some guys coming across and stuff like that. So I don't know what kind of what to expect really. But um if Fowler's if Fowler's above British level, he's going to be beating this guy, surely Christ. Yeah, if you can't beat the Spanish, what can you do? Fowler's gonna knock him out. Fowler's gonna knock him out. Yeah, well, we'll wait and see. I mean he's he's not got any knockouts, this guy. He's or very limited knockouts and that, so Fowler probably smash him up in two rounds. For his limitations, Fowler can punch Andy Carney, and this guy, yeah. if this guy can't keep him off him, I think it's going to oh, be a long night. He is very solid for a 154. I think really he should be, well, I don't know if he should be at 160 in that. I mean, obviously, if he can make 154 for the longest possible, and that, but I think, he fought one, I think he fought as a middleweight in, in the amateurs and that, so he's, mm-hmm. he, he does a lot to really try and make one, 154 and that and try and kind of keep that advantage, kind of weight cheat or weight bullying and stuff like that, whatever you want to call it. But um, To be honest, this card is not all that great next week, actually. Apart no. from the main event, Nothing really interests me. This is why I'm saying that, that Russian card for me is going to be holding more interest. And apart from the main event, I ain't interested in this. I'm year. surprised they haven't put a better undercard on because the main event's going to be a stinker. Let's be honest. Because Akoli, I I think Akoli is going to be a very very difficult guy to beat, and I think he's going to beat Glavaki. Yeah. But I mean, let's be honest. After the after Glavaki realizes he's got the human octopus on top of him, it's going to be a clinch fest for twelve rounds. I I would imagine. So it's not going to be a great spectacle. Yeah, he's going to have to figure out somehow to handle him. Though I mean, I don't know if he's going to have to. He's going to have to try and do something with him. Grapple with him, that's pointless. I mean, and I think as well, keep him at distance, pointless as well. He is, he is awkward, languid, very, very difficult. Very, very difficult, difficult to beat. Mm-hmm. Very, very horrible to watch, I think, as well. I mean, I mean, Christ, I mean, there's none of his fights are going to be making my highlight real anytime soon. Or if you ask me, to see, to see, yes, if Steve says to me one day, Andy, we're doing a punch with the past episode on the Lords of Coley, he'll be doing it on his fucking own because there ain't <laughs> any fight, there ain't any fight it has that I'm going to go back and watch anytime soon. He is, yeah, he's strong, I think, Coley, and I reckon he has a bit of a dig about him as well. Glavaki will come in, Matty, thinking that he can do what all the other guys have thought they can do against Coley, and the reality bites hard. Coley's going to grab him, he's going to grapple him. be interesting to see who the referee is, whether he tolerates that. Coley's biggest test will come whenever a referee says, look, you better stop doing this, otherwise I'm going to dock a point or throw him out. I think he's been quite, the referee's been quite lenient towards Coley's style, particular style, so far. Whenever a referee gets tough with him, we'll see what he has. Because does a Coley grab people because he's afraid of his stamina? Is he afraid of getting hit? Does he think he's got a bad chin? Why does he adopt those tactics? Because they work for him so well. They have done so far. It'd be interesting to see who the referee is. Glavaki will come in full of confidence, but as soon as a Coley's grabbing him, pushing him down for six, seven rounds, it'd be an entirely different proposition. I only see a Coley winning this fight. Yeah, I, you know, the one thing you say is that Glavaki is a pretty tough son of a bitch, so he'll at least probably try if he's being held to work while he's on the inside, maybe. And and that can always turn out badly for someone. If they miss a hold, you slip, uh, you pop that uppercut on him. I, I don't know. It could be entertaining enough. No. Um, no, no. No. That's no. sad. That's really sad, Steve. Why, why do you have to make things so sad? 
Like, it's not like it's not bad enough as it is, you know, can't we be slightly glass half full here? Like, uh, you know, did like, do you want to push everyone one more step towards suicide? What the fuck is the deal here? You That's know? what we're here for, isn't it? Every Sunday evening. <laughs> yeah. It's uh, like a free counseling service. Yeah. Rob, uh, do you have any thoughts on this fight or on uh, suicide? <laughs> um, talk about fucking, talk about choices. Uh, what's the card? <laughs> Let me hear the card first before I give you a definitive answer. What's the what, who's on the card? So uh, you got Okoli against Glowaki and then uh, Fowler against uh, Portea. Well, what I will say about Lawrence Okoli, and I'll echo something Andy said about him after the release of his his book, uh, "How to Be a Success." I think it's titled, "Is it How to How to Be the How to Be the Greatest" or some some shit like that. Lawrence Okoli was writing a book before he's won a world, world title. This is the fucking climate we're living in. You can be on Sky Sports. You don't even have to be a pay per view fighter. Just get thrown around IFL profile a little bit on Sky Sports and you can be writing it. Like, no, no shots at Lawrence Coley. I hope he gets all the money he can from fighting. I hope every fighter get, makes as much money as they can and get out safe. That's really what I want to see. And I want to see the best fellas win the fights. And after that, I don't care too much. But to hear <laughs> that Lawrence Coley has an autobiography coming out before he's won a fucking world title. How was that? Like, what part of the game is that? Like, you're going to tell us to be how to be a success before you've actually become a success. Not saying he he's, he hasn't reached the level of success, but you're not a world champion yet, pal. Like, just a bit premature there. Like, he's released a rap video as well. I think this week TKO or something. The rap, the rap boxing thing never goes well, right? Roy Jones was the first one. Y'all must have forgot. Had a couple of good numbers. I that, did not you know forget. I, mean? I did not forget, Rob. Yeah, but you know. People were kind to Roy's rap career because of how good he was in the ring. Adrian Broner has tried it. Danny Garcia has tried it. Look how it's panned out. Like Lawrence Nicoli has to beat Glovaggy by knockout after releasing an autobiography and a rap video in the build-up to his world title fight. Because if he loses, people are going to be questioning his mentality. Has he got his eye on the ball? What's he doing fucking autobiography deals for? And obviously, if someone waves a check in front of you, you're going to take it. I'm not, I'm not knocking him for that, but, you know... Where does the boxing fit in in all this? Like, you know what I mean? Where does it? Where does your your big chances now be? And like, he hasn't looked good. As someone said, how to clinch, how to clinch your way to a world title should have been the the title of the book. He hasn't he hasn't really impressed for a guy of his talent, apart from pulling female rapper Miss Banks. That was very uh, that was very impressive to me. I uh, I think they're missing least. out on some marketing, man. Like, why can't you yeah. get a? Uh, why can't Not you a get like a? Now, man. Well, they can't be the Jay and Bay of the boxing world now. They're over. It's over. It's all news now. Let's see. It's like J-Lo and A-Rod. They're breaking up there again. J-Lo's on her foot. She's got one last chance with me. Uh, hey, hey, I'll fight you for her, by the way. <laughs> we have to go on a catch rate. <laughs> why, why, why can't they do like a combo pack where you get, uh, you know, Coley's book, you get Bellew's book, you uh, get the uh, the workout video, and you also get a, an order of curry and chips, all for the low price of like nineteen ninety five. You know, like uh, that's a fucking bargain. Chicken dance sack, pull the rice, some pashwari naan on the side, chicken pakora with some mushroom pakora. Oh, mate, I'm getting all kind of slivered about the myth is thinking about it. He's just like the American guy on the pod to find the sale. You know, that's $35,000 worth of workouts for a free text. Uh, <laughs> Retail is for suckers, Rob. I, yeah. I'm here to tell you. Retail is for suckers. Yeah, shout out to Michael Thompson, who suggested a Coley for clinches from the past. 
Oh, and then we could do a John Ruiz fight then as well, I suppose, eh? Henry <laughs> fucking one day. <laughs> oh, no. Uh, Henry against, who's it against? Lewis? Who goes, B, yeah, B-Hop right, referee, yeah. B-Hop the celebrity guest referee in all those fights. <laughs> Clinches from the past sounds like recalling when you had to run very quickly from the uh, from the airplane inside the, uh, into the airport to use the facilities. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So um but yeah, we we have another packed week of boxing. We got some good stuff coming up. At least we'll be mildly uh entertained. Um I hope you guys have enjoyed the previews and the reviews this week, but uh I'm going to hand it over to Mr. Steve Wellings to take it for the value of the week. Thank you very much, Matty. Uh yes, so a few people have been in touch on bunts related themes this week and I've managed to uh I think it was Ted Barrett who suggested this one. So uh, bunts has been on fine form. It turns out that the clips that we usually play aren't prime bunts. There's a few others here, so let's get stuck in uh, for the Belly of the Week episode four fourteen with a bit more bunty. Sully, Surly Ronnie will say that's the best action we've seen in that ring all night so far. You know, the man we're talking about Samuel Peter, a guy who started his career in Kazakhstan and fought in Chile and fought his way very slowly against a whole list of obscure fighters. You know, a great Christian guy, four kids, sends loads of money back to Nigeria. A real hard-working guy that's made, got there and made his money. And then we switch over to those five and they're singing, I want to be famous. When I grow up, I want to be famous. I, d- I just don't find them funny. I don't think that's the point, Steve, and so that's supposed to be there for comedy value. You saw that ring entrance tonight? You saw what the Germans do. Just think now, what's flooding out now? I know we've got to go to a break. Flooding out now, not onto the streets of Berlin, into an enormous tent pitched somewhere near the arena where people have paid 100 euros or more. There'll be about five, six, seven thousand people partying. Pussycat girls over here singing. Another band Pussy over there. Pussycat dolls, Steve. Pussycat dolls. You're not down with the But they the are kids. girls, aren't they? You know what I'm saying? Although, Steve, although, although the one at the end did look a bit like a tranny, but it's not <laughs> there, Andy. <laughs> Uh, Steve Bunsby found something that you don't know about. Boxing, you're there. Football, you're there. Pussycat dolls, it's not happened. I tell you what, we are excited about heavyweight boxing. Once again, thanks to this man, Vitaly Klitschko. Oh, it's like a tranny. Fuck, man. I forgot about that one. I remember that. You guys are getting better on free speech than we are, man. There ain't no way we'd add a job. No, 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 no Scotland anymore. We've got a free speech taken away from us during the week there, so I'm not to speak very much. No knife. Well, they took away your knives and your speech. I mean, if you can't run your mouth, you don't need the fucking knife anyway. It's uh, no, that was back in the good old days of Satanta, which was the Wild West, where you could say shit like that freely. Uh, but no, actually, uh, yeah, it's interesting the free speech one will come to it, I'm sure, in value of the week. But anyway, yeah, go ahead, proceed, buddy or Steve. Sorry, thank you, Robert. First nomination here, Andy Jones coming in for Amir Khan. Finally got my COVID vaccine. Feel fantastic. Hashtag stay safe. Hashtag thank you, says Amir. Ben Elliott says, surprised this jab didn't knock out, <laughs> knock you out like many others did. <laughs> World Amir. We're getting it rough there. Ted Barrett nominated the diva, Gary Cully, talking about him earlier for this uh, interesting get-up that he came into the ring. Also, Ted, I didn't see it, but apparently friend of the pod, Isaac Lowe, hashtag bad noi for life. Uh, said that he misses the crowd. They're like the 11th man in the ring. Uh, I didn't hear that one, but uh, thanks to Ted for a couple of nominations. 
Here's one that might get you going, Matty. BoxingScene.com. Bob Arum to angry fans demanding Fury versus Joshua deal. Go fuck yourself. Find a life, <laughs> says Bob Arum. <laughs> Bryce seems pretty happy That's about a front runner for me. Like, that's a front runner for me. <laughs> I, I, th- I think uh, that Bob uh, has uh, developed too much of a tolerance to weed, man, because it ain't fucking working too well anymore. He's, he's fit to be tied. <laughs> I fucking love that Bob Arum answered the uh, the same way I do when Steve says there's a complaint from the listener, I'm like, fuck them. Tell them to get a fucking life. <laughs> fuck off and leave us alone. <laughs> Come on, Bob Aaron. Hashtag fuck the listeners. Uh, Michelle Joy Phelps and Bryce have been going toe to toe here about uh, claims over marvelous Marvin Hagler's death. I think we'll leave that one to one side. Here we are, Andy. Uh, title watch Ebony Bridges won the vacant Australian National Boxing Federation Australasian female super bantamweight title. Can't understand why this is vacant. Mate, mate I, I dare you to try that after fucking two bottles of wine <laughs> and five squidgers, by the way, because you ain't trying that shit, man. That is just. That is a. I mean, that, that's, that's at least a full house in Scrabble, that one, by the way. It's got How to do be... they fit it on the belts? That's what I want to know. Exactly. How can they fit it in boxing, man? That big belt from a couple of weeks back. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just amazed that that's nine monosyll- That's that's my nine polysyllabic words that I can spell. That's fucking rare. Get on board. Ebony's got the the belt anyway. Uh, McKenna says, I'm on the Gwote train with you now, Steve. Of course you are, sir. Of course you are. I'll tell you what, everybody's going to be on the Gwote train now. Evening, Eddie. Uh, the Gwote herself said, I hate being disrespected by a silver spoon fed-ass person. Eddie Hearn has never laced up a pair of gloves, nor been in a fight to say that a two-times undisputed champion, three-times world division champion, two-times Olympic gold medalist would get stopped. Clown. Clarissa going in on Eddie there. We can get on board with that, Rob. That's the kind of shit I'm talking about. Silver Spoon, Fed Ass, Eddie Hearn. The <laughs> quote there. Top draw. Team quote. Uh, Here we are, Andy. Joe Thackeray, Eddie Hearn, 41 years of age. <laughs> <laughs> 41. Two. That is two. Edward. That's the face there. of a 41 year old uh, Silver Spoon Fed Ass there, Andy. Yeah, that's a guy with hair plugs and uh, all that type of stuff. Even Ed. The fed ass uh, part is right anyway, but it looks. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's that's. Oh yes, boy. bit of back and forth here between Javonta Davis and Regis Progray. Box Hard Podcast nominated it for them. The video was a video in itself. I didn't actually cut this one, unfortunately. But Javonta Davis went in on Regis. He said, "I will beat the shit out of this bum ass nigger." And then Rujeru says, "Little boy, don't mention my fucking name if you don't want no smoke." I ain't for this back and forth shit. I'm ready to wreck something. Let's get it popping, yo big sister ducking me. So I guess he sent yo flock ass. So I'm a fuck you up and he ain't gone have no choice but to come see me. Uh, I, I don't know. <laughs> What's going on here then, Rob? I would say, is Davis not a bit too small? <laughs> Did you see the video that was sent to him fucking dance in the kitchen? Should have cut it, shouldn't I, really? I've got the link here if you can try and get it on there if you want, like. Don't think I'll be able to cut it now, but I'll try and get no. it for next week if we can. Uh, Motor City Cobra has nominated Eddie Hearn as a fight fan. This is probably one of the greatest fights I've ever made, says Eddie. Uh, also in the same category, possibly, as Shannon Courtney. Uh, Shannon Courtney, Ebony Bridges, Andy, just before we move on. Apparently, that's a WBA regular title or something. Oh, mate, I just... Uh, I've seen Aussie having a bit of ding-dong back and forth. It's for the, the w, sorry, it's for the Panamanian Bantamweight title, by the way, just for anybody that knows. So, you know, this is what I'm saying. So, we've got a guy here on Twitter basically whining that, like, basically talking about, you know, what was he saying to me here? 
my saying sorry mate he's just saying here uh, you know why would the fight for commonwealth title for example when you get a world title fight well you know as we say about the men that fighting for the british commonwealth for european was you serving your apprenticeship before you get to world title level the talent pool is so little in women's boxing they can bypass that and the commonwealth belt was only, only created for women like 2018 Mm-hmm. The British title women didn't even get the fucking fight for that belt until recently as well. Jane Couch. Some of them there's only like two or three in exactly. the world. Exactly. So how so how can they have how can they fight for these belts and that? But then at the same time, it, then this they get world title fights. So is are they prepared for it? I mean Shannon Courtney, I can't mention I, I know she won her last fight, but she got fucking beaten a, a lot of one before that. Is she deserving a world title? Probably no. Because I don't like the records and stuff like that. Is Ebony Bridges were there? I've never seen her fight, but it's but, how many faces she had? Four, five, six? I don't know. But well, this is the thing. Though the talent pool's that small and the ability of these fighters, it's personality that's driving these ladies yeah. to the top at the moment. You can't really blame them no, for taking advantage. But you've got, got girls like Courtney against Bridges, which is effectively, uh, oh, God, a Commonwealth, maybe an area-level type of title fight. I'm yeah. not really meaning to be disrespectful. Lomachenko did it in his second fight Well, sexist <laughs> pigs. Fair enough. <laughs> Okay, fair enough. Yeah, but you know they're effectively fighting area level, Commonwealth level, but it's for a world title because the talent pool is so shallow. Some of them only have 40, 50 people in a division. Heavyweights have got fifty year olds in the top ten. You know, like Gwendolyn O'Neill. So that's what you're dealing with. It's just a sad state of affairs. I've seen it before. Hold on, hold on. There's there's women fighting. It's going to take a a couple of generations for. I've said it before, it take a couple of generations for the talent pool to pick up, and obviously women to take up boxing and that as well. Um, we'll wait and see how it... Uh, how it, it well, I mentioned it last week, when Shannon Courtney is like a bantamweight, and she's span like middleweights because she kind of get opponents to mm-hmm. fucking mm-hmm. spar weight or, or train weight and stuff. She's got to train with the men, because there's no like, all-women gyms for boxers and stuff like that, so you know, women are kind of like scattered over. So you've got Natasha Jones for Liverpool... Terry Speaking of the bonds earlier, the good old days, you can't really say how you really want these fights to end anymore because you get in trouble. <laughs> when mm-hmm. you but your ideal outcome is if Jessica McCaskill and Jonas come together, um, clinches from the past. Um, sorry, Andy, go ahead, dude. <laughs> A nomination for Porky, uh, Slack the Planet has nominated the Porks to himself uh, for wasting two hours and smashing up, up a computer keyboard because he had the caps lock turned on. Uh, I think we've. Oh, no way. I need to see this video. <laughs> I need to see it. So, Slack the Planet, I'm going to fucking go and check that out. Hey, Porky's never messaged me for that. Hey, Porky, how are you doing? You never messaged me in a while, mate. Andy, calling for a message there. Uh, yeah, Dominic send Henry. him nudes, you perv. <laughs> uh, Dominic Henry nominating Ben Lover. Uh, ben got drawn in by the Billy Joe Saunders bullshit, pretending that the fight was off. Here's a good one. Tom Cray's putting up. So a shout out to Patreon extraordinaire Daniel Adams. Uh, Daniel Adams underscore 81 for nominating this one. It was Ashton Pope after Ebony Bridges's fantastic win over Carol... Uh, I can't remember her surname. Uh, Ashton Pope said, and the new, well done. Now then, how about you and Shannon get it on in the summer? Eddie needs to act now. Us fans would love to see it. Get the Commonwealth belt thrown in and it would headline the O2. Roll on. Happy days. I'm telling you, baby. This, is, this, is, this fight will happen in the UK, I imagine. Can you imagine Ebony Bridges turning on like she did there during the week? Eddie Hearn would have a fucking cornea, by the way. He would just drop the... Gary, uh, Gary Davis and stuff like that. He need to nip to the toilet for fucking two minutes. You know? <laughs> This will be outrageous, man. You'll have Shannon Courtney, the shiny wee watch, and having to ch- you know, change it to different wrists to get the fucking promo done and stuff like that. She'll be pouting for the cameras. 
cooking and baby's bent legs and stuff like that. Oh, it'll be amazing. Can't wait for the banter on this one, like. Bantu, exactly. I don't know if you guys uh, discussed yeah. this at the top of the show or not. No. Joseph Parker, nomination for Dave Higgins. Parker's been up to, we don't really know what Parker's been up to. It sounds pretty ominous, the the evidence, but he he's not in any trouble at the moment. His career's been derailed for a couple of years, but um, yeah, I don't, I don't know what Joseph Parker's washing a few quid through. We'll move on from that one, I think. Uh, David Almond, BoxingScene.com. Oh God, this is the fight everybody wants to see. Julio Cesar Chavez Sr. is returning to the ring to fight Hector Camacho Jr. on June the 19th on pay-per-view. Tribute to the Kings, Rob. Be better if it was uh, Julio Cesar Chavez Sr. versus Julio Cesar Chavez Jr. Better <laughs> kids watch. Do you, th- do you think that Sr. is fighting to pay off Jr.'s drug debt? I don't think he's going to get enough money from a fight with fucking Hector Camacho Jr. to pay off that. <laughs> Okay, uh, Joe Kennedy has nominated Raging Babe. Uh, she said, if I'm Fury, I'd fight Wilder next. The perfect warm-up and busy fight before Anthony Joshua. I say that respectfully. The fight with Joshua is a mega fight. Neither should I go into that fight cold, but he might go in that fight knocked out cold. Raging Babe, no wonder she's a failed promoter, saying, if I'm Fury, I'd fight Wilder next. The perfect warm-up and busy fight before Anthony Joshua against Deontay Wilder, the person who knocks people unconscious. Am I missing something here, Andy? I don't know, maybe I have a lot of interesting comment about the failed promoter. What's happened here? Well, I don't know. I'm assuming she's a, she tried the promotional game. Now she's big on oh, Twitter. She... Could have been harsh on the old raging babe there, but I mean, yeah, come on. Possibly. But um, yeah, it's a weird one, actually. I mean, everybody fucking. Well, Wilder's done. Wash. No, no, no wash, but at this point, Don't anyway. Fuck yourself. Don't this, you talk about him that at way. This point, at this point, anyway, he's good as done. Right? At this point, he's had no fight. He's no. Uh, it seems to be his biggest fight now is a courtroom trying to get a third fight with on the contract with Fury. What, <sighs> dude? Just Bomb get, squad get, for life. He's get that, in line. Who's that person? Get in that, line. That's a load of bullshit. That is a load get in of line. Bullshit. I mean, I seen a, I seen a picture of him during the week. There. He's sitting there, tanned a bottle of wine, he's sitting there with a, a, a fully loaded Glock Seven sitting on his on his table. Who does that? Sounds like Dave the Hater low back when he used yeah. to on the post fight pods. It's not like if you break into Deontay Wilder's house, he needs to shoot you. <laughs> exactly, yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? One shot, man, you're gone. Fucking jaw ripped right off you. Why are Charlie you guys Delano. so afraid of Charlie guns Delano over there? We fucking... we literally do sometimes just sit around with our guns on our table. Controversial take. Charlie Zelenoff uh, put up a better performance than Dominic Brazil against uh, Wilder. <laughs> <laughs> A nomination for Raging Babe. Maybe it was a little bit harsh with her. Uh, last week, we saw Ian Dark going in on uh, Frank Warren. Ricky Gravel has sent me the clip, so I have dutifully cut it for you all to have a laugh. This is what Bean should be doing these days, everybody. Uh, sit back and enjoy. Well, let's um, let's let's bring in Frank Warren here, who's, who's saying off microphone there was nothing wrong with that opponent. Um, explain. Exactly. He said about him in the first round, he caught him a lot of shots and took the fight out of him straight away. Amaral has been a good fighter. Is well, this is Tor- Torres, you oh, mean? Sorry, Torres has been a good fighter, 46 fights, lost two, was ranked number one in the world, and he's ranked by every organiser. Yeah, but he shouldn't have been ranked number one in the world. We saw him in Milan, Frank. He should not have been ranked number one in the world by the WBA. You know that, and I know it. Not by the WBO, it's by the WBA. 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 And he's ranked by all the organisations in their top 20s or top 12s. Every organisation has him ranked. Well, he didn't look as if he should have been, frankly. Well, you're saying that, you're saying that, Joe, that the opponent that Joe had in front of him tonight is not, was no good? 
I don't think he was a particularly great fighter. I'm not criticising Joe's performance. He's done the job, but I don't think I, that Luciano I, Torres I, I, is going to enter any Hall of Fame. I'm not saying he is, but Joe Kalzaki's the type of opponent he needed at the time, and he took the fight out in the first round. I think you're very too critical, and I think that's the problem you got with him. Ian. Everyone's jumping on the bandwagon. It's saying with Nassim Hamid, all the doubters in the early days, and then he produced the goods at the end. And I think you're doing the same thing again. You are taking away what the boy did in the ring. He did all he, all he could do, all that's asked him. Quality fight. It's a shame the referee stops it prematurely. No, no critic. Frank, Frank, let's come in here. No criticism intended at all of Joe Calzaghe. He's done the job, and he would have stopped the guy probably in, in another round. I think there is a bit of a, a question mark about the opponent. Let's move on from that. When is Joe then going to have the big acid test, meaningful fight? I mean, you've been talking about him fighting Steve Collins. Is that going to happen this year? That will happen this year, and there's not a question mark about the opponent. I don't agree with you. The opponent was ranked. He did what he had to do. You can't don't do no more than that. What do you want? I mean, what do you want to see? You want to have it, see him have a 12-round war or something, and then you'll be satisfied? It won't happen because they can't take the power. They can't take the hand speed. He's done well at this level. He will be stepped up another level. He will fight for a world title. It will happen this year, and I don't agree with what you're saying here. Okay, you and I are going to have to disagree about the quality of the opponent there. Let's bring, let's bring in Joe again here. Joe, what happens when you fight Steve Collins? Similar. I think I'm going to knock him out. And I'm genuinely honest with God, I'm going to knock him out without a doubt. No one's ever done it yet. No one's ever stopped yeah, him. I'm going to do it. I'm a different class. I no told you I'm 70%. I'm 70% so far. When I fight the world title, they're going to see what Joe Carzag is all about. I'm faster, punch harder, I'm younger, I'm fitter. There's no way you can beat me. No way. No way anybody's going to beat me. He was right, he was right about the last bit, but uh, <laughs> Frank failed to deliver. Rob's <laughs> <laughs> raging. Kiss the fucking muscles. <laughs> give me oh, some lines, baby. I give him his great. I give him his joy. He's a great fighter. He's great. He just uh, the, the B hop one particularly irked me because I love B hop so much. But Kazagi was a great fighter. I'm not going to take see, away. From yeah, that's what we need. Guys like Dark, guys who exactly put the put it on them straight away. Because well, you, I don't know you guys. You've read the articles back in the day and stuff. Like that. Fucking promoters, managers hated journalists walking in the gym because they knew they Yeah, they hated it because they knew they were going to get asked a different question that they wanted to fucking answer. That's what that done. And nowadays it's all kiss ass crew and that. Let's all join the banter and let's get on the fucking bus and let's ride it for uh, alimony pony and all that type of stuff and that. Proper journalism, proper questions. That's what you want. He, you're right because Frank Warren is referencing people didn't give Hamid his. They didn't. Because he beat a fucking postman on 24 hours notice to win his world title, so there was rightly question marks about Nazim Hamid in the early days. He looked great fighting Dross for a big part of his early career. Now he did, Frank was right, he did produce the goods, and Calzaghe did produce the goods. But boxing riders back in the day weren't looking for clout, as the young people call it. Do you know, they don't want their fucking IFL access. video. Not, they don't want they, access. They don't want access. They don't want to be friends with the fucking fighters. They want to call it as it is, or they used to want to call it as it is. Nowadays, that's diluted, and that's why we're so popular. And uh, like some of the guys like Tyan Booth who shoot from the hip, who's getting like fifty pound donations in his fucking super chat. Well, we're fucking on three hours late here with <laughs> Zilch in the fucking account for this kind of content. Nothing, nada. <laughs> so, uh, well, Rob, you're sitting one ninety nine these days. Now you, you can put that in. We're the bootleggy and dark here, Rob. Well, Rob, you're sitting one ninety nine with your fire stick now. <laughs> yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah, exactly. Rob comes in with. Clout, as the young people say. Oh, when I was a young man, I used to be able to go to the store and buy a soda pop. Hey, for he a remembers Hagler fights. Have a bit of respect. Yeah. I yeah, met exactly. the man when he was but a wee lad. Actually, shout out to my mate Deco, uh, Deco Corcoran, a uh, real character from the 
the right smack bang in the middle of Dublin in the flats. But he put up a picture on his Insta tonight of him meeting Marvin Hagler when he was about 10. Absolutely unbelievable. He paid a visit to a boxing club in Dublin. So slightly jealous of that one for the man Deco and, and marvellous Marvin. Shout out to Deco. And uh, the only thing we can say about journalism today, I suppose this sums it up. Bean! Could have been, could have been, should have been, never been. Bait bean, creepy bean. Beanie. Rumple still skin. We're on to you. There we go. Old porkster. I wonder if Frank Warren ever sued a dart for that interview, by the way. Kazagi's <laughs> <laughs> not beating James Tony, by the way. Arlene Burley or whatever the. Arlene Foster, whoever it is in the chat there, right? In the... What did they say? At least Frank's around to sue people, though, Andrew, I suppose. Jade can't. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> I even feel bad for that. <laughs> Oh, Jesus uh, Christ, uh, you, should have, you should have warned me about that one. Fucking hell. <laughs> Jay, good he can't sue him. Oh, good Christ. <laughs> right, I'm uh, after that. See <laughs> <laughs> oh. what I mean? Why does he give a fuck about being a best-selling author? Is this a dream of his that we didn't know about? He always fucking... <laughs> oh, the young boy used to... a lot of Shakespeare and fucking... That book about Huckleberry Finn, whoever wrote that, he was a big inspiration. Robert Louis Stevenson. I want to go down with all the greats. Lawrence Coley. What the fuck is he talking about? I want to be a Ben Helen author. Who gives a shit about that? Like, fuck off with that. But did you not see as well Michael Thompson? He said, this this year I am to be a unified boxing champion and best-selling author. Yeah. <laughs> clearly, clearly has an editor then on that one. Steve, the book Steve Rollins is the man for that one. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Give me a call at Lawrence. I'm here. Uh, Guru, Tommy Allen, formerly of this parish, now uh, honorary director, uh, has had a go for ring <laughs> IQ boxing, lack of IQ, I think, bigger than Ali Frazier, because they never got 100 million each 50 years ago. Unbelievable. Yeah, that one. Unbelievable. Here's a good one for you, Andy, from Dan White. Belly of the week, as mentioned, Lee McAllister fought in Ghana last Sunday. He Gina. fought for and won the Ghanaian national title. He was eligible as he has nationality due to charity work in the African nation. Also of note, Danny McIntosh was shown on the same card. Was After he? Seven years out of the ring. There you go. I think he fought Bellew, didn't he? He fought cleverly. He fought Steve cleverly. Spartacus. Uh -huh. He fought cleverly, aye. Um, Ghanaian national, Lee McAllister. Oh, I mean, that, that goes to all the Commonwealth belts that he won at lightweight and welterweight. And, oh, I think he counts for a Ghanaian title. Like, I mean, he is, he is, he is obviously the, he's the blackest African I've ever seen before. You know, fucking hell, man. That, that's, that's messed up, man. Like, like giving this dude a chance to fight for the Ghanaian title. I mean, that's, My. that's like, that's like letting Andy fucking get a make a wish because he's fucking bald like a cancer patient. <laughs> <laughs> Lee McAllister, right, is so white. He's whiter than milk. He's pale blue, right? He stays in Aberdeen, where it's fucking dark, 12 hours of the day. It comes up sunshine for about two hours, and he fucks off again. <laughs> right? And he's fighting for the Ghanaian title. He's the fucking <laughs> whitest dude in Africa, man. Im imperialism <laughs> continues, Andy. Imperialism oh. continues. Right and village. Right and village. Have to McAllister, Andy? I interviewed McAllister once years ago, and I couldn't understand fucking oh, where mate. <laughs> see, see, the sheep. The sheep are the hardest people to understand in your life, man. Honestly, they've got a language of their own. I remember listening to this. I got this phone call at what once for a person to Aberdeen, and it was just guttural. I had to actually go to 
can you get me the phone number off this fucking phone call? <laughs> she's, he's like, ah, mate, you didn't want that phone number. Just let them call you back because <laughs> you fucking understand that word of they fuckers. But oh, mate, listen, the sheep are a different fucking, different, different mentality, but different fucking accent altogether. Don't even bother talking to them. Like, Plus they hate us as well, so fuck them. Fuck them indeed. Uh, I think that's all the ones that I have. Any from you, Matty? Yeah, I posted this one on the Facebook page this week. Um, yeah, Billy Joe Saunders tweeted uh, on uh, the morning of the third, uh, ruptured my scrotum. <laughs> I tell you what, man, he's trying. He's trying too hard to kind of look like he's he's in shape in that like. Yes, and, uh, and then uh, our, our our good friend, uh, our good friend uh, Eddie. Uh, had uh, re- responded back uh, for fuck's sake, getting calls from media asking if at BJ Saunders has really torn his scrotum. Oh, dearie me! <laughs> Bite the pillow head. Bite the pillow head. I'm going dry. Well, I, 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 I have to again be thankful to Billy Joe for uh, showing love to young Dublin rap artist Dubzino a few weeks back, but that doesn't make him exempt from criticism with my book this shit that he's trying to pull is the worst patter of all time man this yeah. all, all pictures of him running fat if you think billy joe saunders eight weeks out from fighting canelo is 200 pound weight then i have a bridge i want to talk to you about selling to you because that's the greatest load of waffle i've ever heard he's known he's had this fight for a long time and he's in shape don't fucking think that he's not he might look good at 168 when he gets there but he's going to be ready like that's and when you say the worst patter of all time bob this is a pretty low bar from this particular character (laughs) like you know you're only missing a bit of prostitute talking here and then that's the that's the full interview complete normally from billy joel like isn't it he tweeted up a picture of a chinese as well pull the fucking other one man like you're not fucking eating the fucking spice bag getting ready to fight fucking canelo (laughs) and he ripped the shreds then he trots up fucking handing out bottles of water to nurses and stuff like that <sighs> give me a fuck just not just get in and have the fuck a fight this mind game same with fury this week oh i might be drinking back 10 pints of stella this week i need the fight made blah 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 give me fucking shut up boss sugar hill's gone home i'm not training anymore stop with this shit like will you we can see everyone can see through it like it's not fucking real like just get on with the fucking fights with your chinese fuck off like uh, fuck off, Saunders. A few good ones this week, Andy. Javante Davis and Rougerou going in on each other. Any nominations from you? I only got the one, mate. I, I meant to mention it last week, I think, but did anybody catch the video of Carol Frampton sitting in his car watching the two guys battle in Castle Street? Oh, Belfast? yeah, that's, I saw that, yeah. <laughs> so I wanted to put that one up. Mind the fucking car, boys. Mind the fucking car, boys. The fact is, like, there's like there's like a salt group in the streets now. Just mind my fucking car. Oh, brilliant. Absolutely brilliant. But uh, I'm wanting to nominate. Like he, was happy, he was happy to be a ringside judge until they bumped the car. He was going to get out and flatten the two of them. Like. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, just uh, again for, for that motherfucker. What do you call him again? The the, the one that Tommy nominated. The, 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 you know, the oh, guy, um, that is Ring IQ Boxing. Ring IQ Boxing. Jesus Christ, what is it? Like zero? I mean, is he even factoring like you know inflation? There is. Mm-hmm. Oh, I will be fucking shocked beyond belief if either both of these guys get a hundred million dollars for this fight. That's what. Look, how is that possible? You need to put up major money. You're talking oligarch money for this fight, man. You're talking massive site fees. Right? I don't at this point, you know, you would need a crowd definitely, but Vegas. I mean Tyson's talking about fighting Vegas and stuff like that, but you need a crowd for that type of a type of fight, man. I mean, the Fury Wilder broke the, the, the Lewis was it Lewis Holyfield gate, I think it was, for the biggest grossing gate of all time for a heavyweight title fight in that. 
I just think a hundred million without a, a, a massive gate is not gonna not gonna harm. But you know, I'm not an accountant, so we'll wait and see. Um aye, so Carol Frampton's video, Joseph Parker, which I've been reading into that actually, that is just that's just weird. It's just totally fucked up. That yeah. I just wonder if he's allowed his mates to have access to his accounts. You know how you get fighters who actually manage got people to manage their social media accounts and stuff like that? Mm-hmm. Maybe it's something like that. But it's a fucked up situation, that one, like, and people say, look, it makes him look guilty because he wants his name out of the media, well, fucking, they wonder if you're innocent, why do you want that, your name picked through the fucking mud like that? Exactly. Uh, but Chits my, my vote is going to go to Bob Arnold for that comment about fuck off the fans and stuff, like, he's not good, he's on his, he's on his no fucks given tour just now, Bob Arnold, so, <laughs> he's, uh, <laughs> I love the direct quote, give him the direct quote against Steve, I would tell him to go fuck themselves and find a life. Go fuck yourself, find a life, says Bob. He doesn't care. He's a man on the edge. Uh, Declan McCarthy says Isaac Lowe's armpit dreads makes it into value of the week. I missed the Isaac Lowe fight, but I'll take your word for it. <laughs> Any from you, Rob? Uh, yeah, well, I don't know if this is in good taste or not, but um, Sugar Ray Leonard just put up an Instagram post uh, with a tribute to Hagler, obviously, but he said, uh, I had uh, we had the utmost respect for each other and a picture of the two of them. Now, maybe that's true, but I, I, saw, I saw a Facebook post earlier when uh, someone talking about the new Marvin Hagler and he said every time he mentioned Leonard, he just started grumbling under his breath about how much he fucking hated him. So, yeah, but no, a nice touch from Leonard. I should be, I should be using that for value of the week. But yeah, Bob Arum, I would, in fairness, the journalist fucking set him up for that because you know fucking American journalists sometimes like, hey, Bob, what would you say to the fans who are anxiously waiting for this fight? Yeah, I yeah. Tell them to go fuck them fucking hell. Yeah, exactly. Fight. <laughs> <laughs> As he dragged on his joint. Yeah. <laughs> Get a fucking life. Oh, brilliant. The Bob Father. Brilliant. It's about time the Bob Father's back among the best, yeah. by the way. I think I'm going to go for him as well. I was uh, siding with Ashton Pope talking about the uh, Ebony Bridges, but I don't think we should give it to him. So it looks like that's three of us have gone for the Bob Father. Your vote is academic, Matthew, but don't let that stop you from throwing it in anyway. No, no, I, I, I think you, uh, you have to give it to uh, Marinating Bob. Oh, oh, like Gamboa oh, fucking Lopez fight, man. Jesus fucking Christ. Oh, yeah, I'm still that never happened, like. Uh, Belly of the Week winner, then, for episode 414 is you, uh, Bob Arum. Rumpo fucking stilts. But more a celebration of Bob Arum than a, than a mockery of him, I think. Good fuck all and fuck yourselves, anyone who don't like us. And get in that fucking super chat. Belly of the Week's nearly over, assholes. <laughs> Go fuck yourselves and get a life. <laughs> <laughs> fuck the fans. Episode 414, I shall hand you back, Matty. Congratulations to Bob Arum. There we go. Yes. Yes, uh, thank you, and go fuck yourself, San Diego, um, as a great movie once said. We would like to thank everyone for joining us today. Uh, all the chat was was banging as usual. Check us out again on SoundCloud, Spotify, iTunes, all the places where you listen to your podcasts. Next week, we'll be back with another full week of boxing to cover. Um, I'd like to thank Andy Patterson, Rappin' Rob Kelly, and Steve Wellings all for joining us today. I hope you guys had a great time as well. Uh, check us out on Patreon if you like what we do. We could appreciate every little bit that you can help. We know it's a tough time out there. We're pulling for you. You're pulling for us. We're in it together, guys. Uh, we wish you the best, and we'll be back with you next week for episode 415. Have a good one. Rest in peace, Marvin Hagler and Terry Monroe. Amen. Well, Marvin Hagler, at least. <laughs> <laughs>